What are you listening to? You don't know that the guys are put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colisano here with my friend, Scott Bracey. On Christmas Eve, I mean, oh, wait a second. It may as well be Christmas Eve for sports fans like you and I, right, bro? On Draft oh, Eve. Oh, my God. Love it, man. We've been, uh, we kind of started this podcast a few months ago. And I don't know, 80% of our conversations have been, I don't know, you have like your six degrees of separation, your six degrees to Kevin Bacon. It's like six degrees of separation to the NFL draft. Like we would be talking about, um, you know, b- pitchers in baseball or, or, or Tiger Woods and somehow it ended up, you know, and, um, <laughs> and the Jets might trade Sam Darnold, which means they'll be drafting Zach Wilson. It seems like for yeah. friggin' ever. Tiger, Tiger Woods went to Stanford. Andrew Luck went to Stanford. Oh, by the way, the Colts. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Who just got Carson Wentz. They're not looking for a quarterback in the draft now. Somehow we always made it. And, and we're here. And in a way. So I'm going to tell you a quick segue. When uh, me and my son are big, like, Avengers, all the Infinity War Saga fans, and I took him to opening night of Avengers Endgame. Like, we were literally the first people in the country to officially, we had the earliest showing on the first day on the East oh, Coast. Awesome. So, like, nobody, you know, no regular folks saw the movie Avengers Endgame before we did. And when we were there, we went to get a bite to eat first, and we're on our way in. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. And my son goes, are you excited? I said, well... I'm super excited. I said, and I'm already a little bit sad. And he's like, why? I go, because it's the end game. Like when this <laughs> yeah. movie's over, yeah, the whole, it's the end. Like the story's over. And that's what I'm talking about with the draft. Like I'm super excited about the draft. And we're going to go over a draft primer for you, who uh, for everyone who's listening, a better, a better way for you to watch the draft for your team tomorrow night. Okay? Um, but when it's over, it's over. Now, it's over, right. I will say, as a Jets fan, you know, as soon as the draft's over, we're already... Now, as soon as the draft's over, you'll be thinking about this coming season, and most fans will be thinking about the upcoming season. But as Jets fans, we already start thinking about next year's draft because we have very little hope of this coming season. So that's the way that goes as a Jets fan. But so so what's that? The what's that? Middle of September? You got you so you're gonna jump on the rest of the country. With oh yeah, draft prep, yeah. I start thinking yeah, about okay. the draft usually yeah. mid September. On a really good year, it's <laughs> mid October. This past year, this past year, I think it was the end of August. Ugh. Mm. Sounds fun. And then the Jets really jammed it up every Jets fan's ass by winning against the Rams and losing out on the uh, on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But anyway. Draft primer. So we did our mock draft last week, and we little little foreshadowing for later in the show. We have a mock draft of sorts to end the show today. Our last segment is kind of inspired by a, our mock our mock draft last week. But since we we did that, I think it's important that we talk about. And this is for you, for me, for anyone listening, dude. 
how to view the draft. I think one of the things that just the casual fan gets caught up in doing when they watch the draft is they they see players and they try to say, how can I fit the players onto my team? Right. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm yes, offering, what I, an idea that I'm offering to everyone who's listening today is to think, and this is what I mean by, this is your draft primer. This is a different way. Now, the draft as a whole is kind of cool. Like if you're, I, I love watching who everybody takes, not just my team. So I, I enjoy the whole draft. But, but when it comes to your team picking, don't think of players who you would want on your team. Think of what your team needs. And every team needs something. Okay, but think of what your team needs and then look and say, what guys can fit best fit those needs? And I think mm-hmm. I think if we look at it that way, I don't know if the word is we'll be less disappointed, but I think we'll have a better understanding of what's what's really happening in the draft. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I think that might help. What do you think of that? Yeah, so you have a position or two positions, and you have three or four guys that you target or you, or you look at. Like everyone has the Mel Kuyper book or, or, sure. or, or a website or BFF, whatever they follow. Yeah. yeah, whatever they follow. But where it gets fun is if the Cowboys trade up for a tight end and then the whole fucking thing right. is messy. And it's and that's what makes the draft the draft. Right. So people see the mock drafts that are all over the place, <laughs> and they're like, well, this is what's going to happen. So – I have a couple examples here of like how to think differently, but we are so. It seems like the the NFL draft guru world is settled that Zach Wilson is going to to the Jets and Your football Jets. And I I sit here and say that's probably what's going to happen, but I will tell you as we've talked about, and this is just an example how it just becomes oh shit now what okay we've talked about how Justin Fields has been QB2 pretty much since, you know, last season ended. Last, not this yeah. past football season, I mean the previous last. one. It's kind of been Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, 1-2. And 2019 while, end of season, yes. Correct. Yes. And now while while all the news and reports and all these guys and Adam Schefter and we know, this is, what's, this is what they're doing. You don't know what they're doing. You don't even know, you don't even really know what San Francisco's doing. You can make an argument that San Francisco knows that the Jets are going to take Justin Fields, and that's why they went to number three, because Zach Wilson's a perfect fit for them. Okay, yeah. there's, a, there's a narrative that fits there. And all I'm saying is, as far as surprises, like you're saying, you just don't know. If the Jets were to do that and shock the world, it throws the entire draft into holy shit mode. Like you, you'll see tables if you if you're watching on TV. You'll see GMs and coaches and <laughs> war rooms. They're they're, they're going to start losing their mind, and the, the phones are going to start ringing, and it's going to be crazy time because everybody knows that Zach Wilson, and he probably is. I'm not trying to predict that he hasn't, but I've been saying for three weeks now. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just said it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Justin Fields ends up going number two. Okay, because who who wasn't who wouldn't want a Cam Newton type of player? But but with the draft primer that I'm talking about. Think of this, the Mac Jones, San Francisco 49ers case is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Nobody has Mac Jones near the top of the quarterback list, right? But 
if you're a San Francisco fan who pays attention to their coaches, who pays attention to their GM, like pays attention to them, think of Kyle Shanahan's history. He was at Cleveland. Who was his quarterback at Cleveland? Brian Hoyer started the season off 7-3. and three. Like, oh, who does Brian Hoyer look like? Then he was at Washington. Now they started RG3, but who was RG3's backup? That Kirk. That, that, that Kyle Shanahan just recently <laughs> tried to trade for. Oh, by the way. Yep. Kirk Cousins. Yep. And then he and who does Kirk Cousins look like? Hmm. Who in this draft looks like Kirk Cousins? Oh, let me let me wait on that. Then he goes well, to Atlanta. May, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Then he goes to Atlanta as the offensive coordinator and goes to a Super Bowl. A Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, and and who who in this draft does Matt Ryan kind of remind you? Of? But 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 there's more. Then he gets the head coaching job at San Francisco, and he immediately immediately trades for Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. And oh by the way, while Jimmy G can't stay in the field, he's got a 75% winning percentage. And when he did play, the one time he played an entire season, he went to the, they went to the Super Bowl. Who in this draft kind of reminds you of Jimmy G? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Brian Hoyer, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. And then I got to watch ESPN, Colin Cowherd, Mel Kuyper, Dan the Dummy Orlovsky. I got to listen to all these morons say, I can't understand why Kyle Shanahan would want Mac Jones. Because he's had nothing but success with Mac Jones clones his entire friggin' career. It's a system fit. You know what I'm saying? Again, I'm not even saying they're definitely taking him. But this is, this is a perfect example of what I mean of draft primer. Think of your team. Don't think Justin Fields, how do I make him fit on my team? Think my team needs yeah. a corner. What's the best corner for the system? Some corners are press corners. Some corners are Richard Sherman is more of kind of a zone guy. Like, Think of your team needs like San Francisco's thinking of their team needs. And then go with how you fill that. You know what I mean? So, you know, a couple a, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about March Madness and Syracuse, how we said that the names on the back of the jersey change, but they're always six, seven, yes. long and lanky. That's exactly what we're talking about. Right. Guys that fit your system. Absolutely. And what's, you know, you hear this all the time, like, don't try to try to play to a guy's strengths. If you're a coach, don't try to make a guy do something he's not good at and try to do the thing and do try to make him do the things that he is good at. And I agree with that 100%. I think, I think coaches do themselves a disservice and they do players a disservice when they try to do the old fit a square peg into a round hole. But if you're, dra- if you're in a draft situation or if you're recruiting, you should be drafting or recruiting players that fit your system and not just this guy's an amazing athlete. This is, ex- this is the Justin Fields story in a nutshell, really, right? He goes to, he goes to Georgia and... Who beats him out? Jake Fromm, who's like third-string quarterback on Buffalo right now, right? Uh, but then he goes to Ohio State, and what does Ohio, Ohio State loves those super athletic, you know, very agile, strong-arm quarterbacks, dual threats, that kind of thing. And he's a perfect fit, and and it was a perfect fit. He probably should have gone there in the first place. And 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 that's that's the whole that's Mac Jones. Like I'm sure if San Francisco could get Trevor Lawrence, they'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. It's not 
but that's not an option. So you look and you say, well, so who's, would who, I. who's the client? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> so I just think as a fan, if you're going to be watching, and I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be watching, try to think of it that way. Like, think, look for guys. Now, again, you're not making the fit, but this is the fun part of draft. It's like we're pretending to be GMs for a couple hours, right? And you're like, well, yeah. what's a good fit for my team? Not how do I make how do I make Micah Parsons fit on my team? You know, while while he might be able to fit on everything, that might that might be actually a bad example. But like, how do I make Devonte Devonte Smith? How do I make him fit on my team? Well, if you already got you know a Deshaun Jackson type player, you wouldn't. That, that's not a good fit. You shouldn't be saying, "Well, but he was a Heisman Trophy winner." Yeah, but that's you're you need a um, a, a Jamar Chase. You need uh, a Kyle Kade- Pitts. A Kyle Pitts. You need like a more a bigger, taller, stronger kind of receiver. You don't need that slick thin jet jet guy like i don't mean jet as a yeah. new york jets like a jet sweep kind of guy like you don't need that you know so think of your team and look for good fits for what you need um and i think it, i think you'll actually be more enjoy it'll be a more enjoyable experience for you with your team and you'll and as you're watching other teams you'll probably get more of their picks correct you know i like it. yeah because this happens all the time. You watch or you listen to Mel Kuyper. Or you mi- and I love Mel Kuyper because I think Mel Kuyper does, still does one of the best jobs because he takes emotion totally out of it. Um, but they're kind of looking at who the best players are. They make a list of the best players and they say, like, where can we fit these best players in? And that's, that's just that's, – that's, that's why we end up having, quote, unquote, surprises. But they're not, they're not really totally – Surprises. They really shouldn't be surprises if you really. There's always some surprises, like the Jets taking Kyle, whatever the tight end. Don't remind me. Don't say Brady. It. Yeah, Kyle Mr. Brady. Mister Mister Brady. Sometimes you're just like, what were they thinking? You know. And I will say this one. More. Okay, so there was one other aspect of this. Unless you want to go on something, I'm ran. I'm I'm roll. I'm rolling here. So I'm like, go ahead, bro. Go ahead, brother. Go. <laughs> there's this other argument that we get all the time come draft season, and it's like. Best available, there's the best available like side, and then there's the team needs side. And again, this is, a, this is a total fabrication by television and radio. There's no such thing. Every team is, is, is um, drafting. Need, has, has needs. Is yeah. drafting yeah. their needs, but they're going by best available. Like, are we so stupid that we can't say, like, what are the best players available? And then, like, okay, I need a guard, but the best available player at guard is kind of down the list. So, but I also need a corner, and I also need uh, a wide receiver. So, of your needs, what's best available? Like, right? You know, and right. that, that and that's how that's how like the Cowboys end up with C.D. Lamb last year. I was thinking the same thing. It's a yep. perfect example, right? Like, yeah. So the, the the Cowboys were fully intent on drafting a defensive player last year in their first round pick, but C.D. Lamb who they actually thought was the best wide receiver last year. Now, whether we think that or not is is of no consequence. They had him as the top wide receiver in a draft last year. And they just never expected him him to fall to them. Well, he did. And it's like, well, shit, I can't pass this guy up. And and Kyle Pitts is a perfect example this year. I doubt he gets past, like, four or five. But when's Denver drafting? Nine. Nine? Crazy shit happens, and what happens if Kyle Pitts and they're not looking for a tight end, right? No. But if Kyle Pitts falls to you at nine, and four quarterbacks have come off the board, and Micah Parsons is already gone for like, 
you're sitting there, you're like, dude, we didn't even think this guy was going to be available. Yeah, true. You know, if there's just that guy, then you then you do it. But for the most part, teams are drafting need and best available, like a combination of the two. Like, you know, yeah. so it's and then what's and what's funny and it's funny how the draft works too. The Cowboys ended up getting a defensive back last year with their second pick, a guy they liked. So it's, it's you, you just never know, man. You don't like, know because you really just as as much as we have an idea of who's going to go. We know Trevor Lawrence is going to go first, but we really, truly, and honestly don't know what's going to happen after that. Plus trades. You know the rumor the rumor rolling around today is that New England is has a deal in place with Carolina. And why is the deal in place and not done? Because they don't know what the hell's going to happen two through seven. Exactly. You know what I mean? If Justin Fields goes two and Trey Lance goes three, they ain't moving up to eight. So the reason that that deal is in place but not complete is because it's pending. It's pending. Yeah. It's crazy. You just don't yeah. know. So. Yep. Yep. Um, I had another name down here that people don't think of as far as like, a uh, guy drops to your lap and you had no intention of drafting him, but there he is. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is a perfect example. They had they had they had uh um oh my god. Mr. Favre. They had Brett Favre. They had no intention of drafting a quarterback. But but then Aaron Rodgers falls into the twenties and they're like, uh, you know, we got this I kind think we have to do this. Yeah, yeah. we got this yeah. aging guy who's a little ornery and a, he's got wild hairs coming out of his ass, like, you know, hey, maybe we can do do this kind of thing, and they did, and it proves proved to be a good idea. And and frankly, while Dallas is still desperate for defense, Ceedee Lamb looks like a, a, a steal now. Yeah, the you real know? deal. They yeah. need massive defense defensive help. But anyway, that's me going off on a uh, off on my draft primer. I really thought about that for a week because I I said I said when we did the draft. We did our mock draft last week, and we've seen so many mock drafts on television and radio. But that's just not how it works. It does. It's not one guy picking for every team. So you really need to try to look through the lens of your team. I heard Colin Coward today say, like, Carolina, like, I'm like, or had Philly taken an offensive lineman in the first round. I'm like, dude, you're not even thinking. Like, you're not even thinking. Thinking, yeah, like they have yeah. so many Colin needs. Co- the, the lowest level need they have is offensive line right now. Colin Coward is not good. He's he was he's so good for such a long time. I, I I'm with you. He for like a couple months now. He's been slipping. He's been would, slipping. Yeah, he's. Been I was going to say maybe back maybe back a couple years. In my opinion, more than you, but. He's been uh, he's been a little off, and he's got like the Skip know. Bayless thing in him now, which kind of sucks. Like. What do you mean by that? You got you got you got to throw something totally off the rocker to get attention. Like you know, Skip's well, always going so against. Skip like, still does that. Not, I actually think Colin does less yeah. of that. I think he could does less. Mm, of that. I think I feel like he's actually late, got complacent. I feel like he's actually got complacent and got gotten player friendly. Friendly now. I don't know if it's because he's got more access to players and he doesn't want to piss players off or something like that. I actually feel. I feel like he's gotten boring. Like I always used to kind of like his hot takes because even if I disagreed with Coward, he made me, he always made me think. And now I just sit there and I go, "What are you talking about?" I really feel so he's moved a couple times in the last two years, and he's yeah. gotten a big bump, makes six million a year. Which if he's making six, dude, we deserve twelve apiece. Wow! I'm oh just my saying. god, let's go. 
twelve, twelve fifty an hour, something like that. Um, Call your agent. <laughs> uh, I just feel like with the moves and the big step up in class, I feel like he's gotten complacent because I just don't. I just call, I look at him. I'm like, dude, you didn't even do your homework today, did you? Like I'm sitting in school and I know the answer to that, and you don't. Like it just bothers me. Um, speaking of us making more money. Something is uh, came on the board yesterday, day before, and you and I talked about this over a month ago, maybe two months ago, something like that. The Falcons are taking calls on Julio Jones, and I got laughed out of the effing room when I said <laughs> that I would trade Julio Jones. Don't be surprised if Atlanta trades Julio Jones. Oh, why would they do that? He's still so awesome because they can't afford him. Oh, what did the friggin' GM of the Falcons just say yesterday about why they are taking calls? Doesn't mean they're going to trade him, but they're taking calls. He, they're like, they're legit. It's they're not even hiding it. They're taking calls. Why? Because he makes twenty plus million dollars a year, and they're in mm-hmm. cap hell. Oh, but you talk so much about the salary cap. Why do you talk about the sal- now? You know why I talk about the salary cap because you got a, a forty million dollar quarterback and a twenty two million dollar wide receiver, and they can't feel the goddamn team. Oh, it's good stuff. So my question <laughs> to you: I'm not trying to say that Julio Jones is not a, still a good receiver. He's, I think, he's still a top five receiver in the league. Where does he fit, and who can afford him? Like what do you, where, what do you think so, happens here? So I have a couple teams. You want me to you want me to list my teams? You yeah, let's hear what you one got. One? No, let's hear what you got. We'll go one so, by one. Yeah, let's go well, one I got, by one. I, I got I got four choices here. I have four I as well. Three, Interesting. Oh, that's why we're yeah, sir. Hmm. And I think we're gonna have, I think we're gonna have three likable, but I think we're gonna differ on one. Okay, that's just what I'm thinking right now. Okay. So my I number think that, one, my if number we got seventy five percent of them the same. That'd be nuts. Go ahead. So my number one option for Mr. Jones is the Baltimore Ravens. I have them as well. Seems like a perfect fit, right? I mean, I mean, you got to be, you got to be a dummy not to think this is a perfect fit. Lamar has accuracy trouble. What fixes accuracy? A six-three guy who can jump, who's athletic. You have a great tight end and a great running game. And all you got to do is kind of chuck it up lot. to him. Just chuck it up that's and let it, him go man. get it. That's that's it. Accuracy be and damned. The corners, the corners in that division aren't great. I think it's a perfect fit. So that's my number one. And and, and I, here's why else. I just want to add to why it's a Go good ahead, fit. Go ahead, sir. Yes, they, please. They please. got the shuttle. They got they got the mm-hmm. cap space. They got the mm-hmm. room. Now, I'm sure they would make – by the way, something else happened that we weren't sure about. Um, we're going to talk about later. I find out that, yes, you can eat some of a guy's salary, like a team – can eat ah. some of a guy's salary. So maybe Baltimore can get Atlanta to eat a little bit of that salary. Uh but take on And they throw back they th- and they throw back a third round pick or maybe a second who knows. Like yeah, I don't they know. have to first now. So I mean I don't know what I don't know what they have in the second round. I don't know what they'd we'll have see, to give up. And but they have to wait until June first. There's something the salary cap is so convoluted. Yes. They have yes, to wait yes. till after June first or else it costs them like twenty something million dollars. After June first it costs them less than five or something if they trade them so all right baltimore i'm with you 100 on that one who else i got the green bay packers okay i do not have them and i'll tell you why go Ooh. ahead though. i think it's a good i think it's a I, I think aaron Rodgers would probably give you a hand job if you could make it happen and who doesn't want a hand I, job I passed, from aaron Rodgers? i pass on the hand job i'll have a scotch instead of the hand i know but wouldn't it just be I'll cool to say uh just so you guys know i mean i'm not into that kind of thing but you know Aaron Rodgers actually gave me a hand job. 
you'd be like, no shit. Like your friends would be like, no shit. You wouldn't even be considered like, I don't even know if they'd call you gay. Like it'd be like, you'd be like, no, I'm not gay. Just like it was Aaron Rodgers. And I, it was like, you know, he's like, you want it? I'm like, "Eh, that's good. I mean, yeah, maybe we got Um, different friends. Anyway, go ahead. I also think I need another. He would be thrilled. Rodgers would be thrilled. So this is the only NFC team I have in the in the Julio Jones equation here. Ooh, I don't. I don't know if the Falcons. I don't know if the Falcons are going to be really excited to trade him in conference. Um, but listen, how many times have we said, or Aaron Rodgers has said himself, "Where's my wide receiver? Where's my guys in the yep. draft? What are we doing? You're drafting backup quarterbacks. You're drafting another running back. You're drafting whatever, whatever." Yeah. I mean, this guy, and and put him on the other side, Devontae Adams. Holy smokes! Oh, dude, that's it's the best to tandem in, in the NFL. I don't, I don't, I don't care who else you have. That's the best tandem in the NFL. No, that no, that is that is by far. I mean, it's we've sick. we've had arguments the last couple weeks. No, that's that's, that's insane. Yeah, that's almost and, unfair. Ah, oh, forget it. Uh, here's why I don't think it's so, gonna. I, I think the fit works. I think the fit works. I think you're 100 percent right on what, that. Money, money, the money. The money. money you're uh, well, listen, yeah. these guys are like. MIT geniuses now with this again if they can get Atlanta to eat a certain amount and maybe get Julio to renegotiate his contract to defer some money like there's there's so many options of what you can do to to get a guy to do that I mean if they could do that dude that's a that's a deadlier offense than than Kansas City I mean that that's a deadly offense I I think I think I would agree with you it's on that It's a deadly offense but Listen so you're my you're my money guy. I just throw out opinions, and you tell me what fits or what not. I just don't know that they can make that work unless there's unless you're, probably, you're Julio, probably right. Yeah, Julio would have to give a little bit. But if you're Julio and you've been stuck, Mike. yeah, you've been stuck in Atlanta, yeah, mediocre Mike. for you know you went to a Super Bowl four years ago, but you've been stuck in hell for four years. Maybe take a little haircut. Right. It's it's not to say you're not going to get the money, but you're deferring it to later years to go take a shot with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay in a championship caliber team. You might do it. I mean, I think I would do it. He's been making twenty million a year for three years now, dude. It's not like he's broke. And he like, no, I, if I, I'm him, absolutely. I take the shot. So it, it's not impossible. I just I'll, I'll say it's not impossible. D- difficult, but I get why you say it. I totally get why you yep. say it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Who else? All right. I was gonna make an out, I was gonna make an outlandish statement and say I'll bet my balls you're gonna have this one too, but I'm not willing to part of my balls that 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 easily. So they're so important, they're so valuable, especially especially after the handjob conversation that got me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna say the Indian. <laughs> I'm gonna say the. Did I go too far Colts. with that one? I got. I went yeah, too maybe. far with that Listen, one. Listen, this is this is what this is what we do. I'm just saying. Could you imagine you went to you went. <laughs> You, you went. Back. You went to the. You went. Your your friend has a poker game, and you're all sitting at the table. There's seven of you. You're having bourbons and drinks, and you're playing cards, and the money's, and the money's flying, and the stories. Dude, you remember in high school, Colasano was such a dick as a coach, but then we, he got the lights for the Saddlebrook <laughs> game, and it was kind of cool. And then somebody else like, oh, dude, you remember I banged this jam? It was so good. And you're like, dude, last month. <laughs> I got a hand job from Aaron Rodgers, and it just goes quiet. Like, wait, what? And you're like, nah, I got video and everything. Holy shit, dude, you get all, you get all quiet. I'm on the Jeopardy set in LA. 
<laughs> and me and Rogers go out for a steak, and he gives me a fucking hand No. <laughs> and they're like, "Why did he do that?" And, he, and you're like, "Because I brokered a deal to get Julio Jones to the Green Bay Packers." And he was like, "Dude, that was you." And I'm like, "Yeah, it was me." And he's like, "Dude, you want a hand job?" And you're like, "Yeah, of course I do." You can see it happening. Crazier things have happened, right? I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> Listen, if you In asked Aaron Rodgers. If you asked Aaron Rodgers, would you give Scott Bracey a hand job if he can get Julio Jones to the Green Bay Packers? The guy makes $40 million a year, and he'd be like, I'd think about it. Can I wear a glove? And if I told you Aaron Rodgers was going to do it, but he was going to wear a glove, you'd be like, that's cool. Anyway, who's your third Dude, team? I hope I, I hope I have a job on Friday as well. <laughs> who's your third team? The third team is the Indianapolis Colts. I didn't have them. I I'm with you on this wow. one. Though. I didn't think of it. I just didn't think of it. I just yeah, I came up short on this one. I agree. So I know that I know they have some. I know they have some cash. They got the cash. They could they use another receiver. Now they think they could use another receiver. They, aye, they got the aye. running game going. They got the offensive line. I think it's a great fit. Oh my goodness, that's brilliant, sir. Brilliant. Thank you. Nah, it's Thank brilliant. You. I don't know how I didn't come up with that. Once it's brilliant. In, once in a blue moon, brother. No, this is you nailed this one. Yeah, well done. And uh, and number four, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Hmm. Didn't think of that one either. Tell me about so that. So that's my that that was my real that was my wild card pick because I really the other three teams are playoff teams and they're really who, really close. Who do the Chargers have at wide receiver right now? That yeah, Keenan Allen. That's kind of it. That's their main guy. That's it. Hunter Henry's gone. True. Tight end's gone. Yeah. Mike William, Mike Williams is always banged up. This guy can't make it through a full season. He barely makes. But he barely plays eight games. But a year. when he plays, he's kind of a Julio Jones body. He's kind of like that kind of big. Isn't? Am I wrong about that? He's kind of a big body. Uh, you're, you're you're not. He is. You're not far off on that. But I'm not saying he's that? Julio Jones. I'm just saying he's he's no, a no, big I, body, big bodied receiver, X receiver. And if I'm if I'm Julio Jones's team, I'm going strong arm quarterback, young Oof. guy. Great weather. Oh, just do I was just gonna say, great weather. Dude, like, dude, like, let's do it, man. Like, living in you, LA, man. Who, living the life you, in LA. What do you think? What do you think? Julio has left three, three, three really productive years left. Two. I think that's fair. He's thirty-two. I mean, He's thirty-two years old. Three is dude, so, pushing I mean, it. So that was my non-playoff team that I'm thinking. I don't mind that it's one. Toughest, maybe the second toughest division in football, but. You know, if they got the money and they want to make it make some noise, why not? Not a terrible idea. Uh, no, I'm excited to hear your three, bro. I, I actually, I actually feel rather deficient in the teams that I had because only one of them is like semi exciting. Um, I have Tennessee. Okay. I just feel like they lost um, the kid Corey, Corey Davis. Corey Davis to the Jets. I don't know what kind of cap space they had, but I'm just looking. I'm saying Corey Davis is gone. They also lost a tight end, so they lost two. They lost two receiving threats. They already have a great running game, great offensive line, pretty good receiver. I'm not going to say great uh, uh, quarterback. I'm not going to say great, but pretty good. Certainly can get the ball, drive the ball down the field, and uh, a competitive team. Another winning, a winning type team. I then had Carolina. Uh, I see in division that's tough to me. Yeah, I'm gonna cross them right off the list that quickly. We're gonna move <laughs> off of that that quickly because I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking because they had they had the money and they had pieces. They had money and they had pieces yeah. pieces to trade. But you just killed that trade. Boy, you've dominated this segment. My goodness, you've <laughs> absolutely destroyed me. 
I think I'll get some points with this one, although this is sim- this team will be similar to Green Bay in that I don't know how they can make it happen. Um, but Seattle, you know, let let Russ cook. Russ has been well. He's been asking for some help on offense, some weapons on offense, and I'm just thinking, boy, you put so, him and DK Metcalf on opposite ends, and it's like holy shit. It's, it's kind of similar okay. to what you got in Green Bay. That was my next question to you. So if you do that, if you put him and, and Metcalf, well, because Lockett is more of a slot. Lockett's more of a slot. Yeah. So you keep all three, and then you don't trade one. So then you have a, you have oh my a powerhouse. God. Yeah, yeah, of course. Core. Yeah. Well, oh, that's Christ. well yeah. then, because then you go to Russ and you say, "What now, dude? What are you gonna complain about now? You're gonna we're gonna lose in the first round of playoffs again? Right at home? Yeah. But I gotta be honest with you. Th- 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 I sa- I say Seattle because I think I, I thought Russ. I'm thinking Russ. Russ wants what Russ wants. He's being a little, you know, amateur GM. But just like the Green Bay, so I'm a total friggin' hypocrite here because I said, you know, you can't get him to Green Bay because they don't have the cash. Seattle doesn't have it either. <laughs> so I don't know why I even showed up for this segment because. So well done. I don't. You know, you just you just wiped the floor with my face. Oh. But the point the point of the segment was Julio maybe gets traded. <laughs> well, what I will say is that it was my idea two months ago that Julio might be on the move, and everybody told me I was a douchebag and an idiot. I may be a douchebag, but I'm not an idiot, so there's that. Listen, listen, you were a douchebag and an idiot at times, but this time wasn't one of them. No, it wasn't. If that if that's fair. Listen, like it or not, the salary cap it is a hard cap. It's the only sport I can't say about the NHL. I have no idea. But of the major of the three major sports, it's the only one that it's a, truly a hard cap. There is no luxury tax. There's no go over the cap and pay a fine or whatever the hell they can do in the NBA. It's a hard cap. And the reason they do that is to level the playing field or else your Green Bays and your Kansas Cities wouldn't even be able to compete. Okay? Um, but because of that, it's something that you always need to keep in mind. And I pointed this out months ago. Um, you didn't disagree with me. I'm not trying to say you, you were like, you poo-pooed me. Other people were like, they're never going to do that. And I'm like, well, I hear you. They, they have to because you have to get 52 guys on the goddamn field. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it just, it, it, I'm not surprised. While other people were like, holy shit, I'm not surprised at all. What, I am, what I'll be surprised of is how it ends up because it'll where, – or, or where he ends up because it, it never goes the way we think. J.J. Watt ends up on Arizona. Clowney ends up on Cleveland. Like guys just never end up you know, where we think they're going to go. So we'll probably be surprised, although we just put eight, seven teams out there. So I don't know how, how surprised we can be. But you know, we'll be yeah. like, how the hell did they do that? How did Green Bay get them? They finagled the cap and they twisted and yeah, turned and stretched it and twisted it and arm wrestled it and they made it happen. Yeah, listen, and they, and they could call Ryan Rodgers and go, listen, we have a chance to go Julio. You want to take a pay cut? You yeah, take go, a $10 million uh, yeah, pay cut, dude. Yeah. Go right, work right. Jeopardy. Go work Jeopardy for six months, make $10 million, and and that'll make up for bringing in Julio yeah. Jones. Oh, uh, yeah, and you're banging, and this, you're banging this new actress now, whatever. Yeah. She's making some cash. And oh, Scotty, and Scotty Bracey gets a little. Gets a little work on the side <laughs> just to finish it off properly. Sal- uh, uh, it's a uh, signing bonus. Snapping it's a, a carrot. It's the bump and run. It's the B&R bonus. All right, so the trade cycles never stop in the NFL. We had another one today. Um, I don't know if this comes at a, as a bit of a surprise. Um, I, you know what? I take that back. I was a little bit surprised, and I also was a little bit surprised at the price you want to tell us about it today because it involved your Denver Broncos. 
So we had this we had this on our radar earlier in the week when we talk about what we want to talk about. And I'm very pissed off because this would have made me look like a genius if this happened tomorrow morning. <sighs> However, Teddy Bridgewater of the Carolina Panthers was traded to the Denver Broncos today for a sixth round pick. So as a passionate Bronco fan that you know and my buddies know that I am, I like this move, to be honest with you. I do too, but I think for very different reasons. So I'm gonna let you start. So, I think I, I think so too, and I think and I th- and I think I know what you're gonna say because you're not a big Drew Lock fan. However, I am not. Uh, um, the Broncos gave up essentially nothing for this. Yeah, they they gave up a they gave up a six round pick. Um, for George a legitimate, Cannon, I just want to say for a legit. Not a top tier oh, starting sure. quarterback for, but for a legitimate NFL starting quarterback, for sure. Yeah. Oh man, that's that makers forty six is good stuff. Lovely. Um, I'm having some so uh, George, wild turkey one on one. Probably my favorite beautiful. bourbon right now. Not a boy. Beautiful. So George Patton, the new Broncos general manager, and thank God John Elway took a took a step back because that was getting nutty. George Patton was a part of the staff in Minnesota who drafted Teddy. So. I always thought this was a possibility the last couple of weeks leading into tomorrow and Friday. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so he's obviously a big fan of him. I love Teddy's personality. We've talked about this before. We like Teddy's story coming back from that that almost almost the same story as Alex Smith before the Alex Smith knee. Correct. His knee was in bad shape and, and losing the blood and the infection before. That all happened years yeah. back. Multiple and surgeries, like said, wondering if he'd be able multiple, to walk, regu- walk, even just correct. walk regular, never mind play football. Correct. And the Broncos are looking at a quarterback, or maybe was, were, maybe still are, in the discussion at nine to take a quarterback. Yeah. Now this could maybe this could maybe do one or two things, and I don't want to kind of contradict myself here, but I don't think you are. I, I think can, I know where you're going, and I don't think it's a contradiction. I'm, uh, uh, but go ahead. So taking Teddy at nine, or I take a trade for Teddy, giving away a six-round pick, can now either. You shift your focus totally away from quarterback at nine. You go defense, you go line, you go corner, or whatever they have. You trade back maybe. You have a lot of options here. Or does that maybe open up a quarterback possibility even more? Do you take a guy like Trey Lance, a guy that's going to sit a year or two, that needs to build, that needs to sit and learn your offense at nine? That makes me very nervous, obviously, because you know how I feel about this guy. So – I'm thinking the former. I'm thinking that they're no longer in need of a quarterback. Let Listen, maybe Drew Locke, this is perfect for him. A little quarterback competition, a little fire under the ass. Maybe Locke wins the job, but if something happens to Locke, he's had some injuries in college. He was injured last year for a while. We know Teddy can do the job. You said before he's a capable quarterback in the NFL. Yes. So that's where I stand on it right now. I, I, I like the move. You give up nothing. It's only icing on the cake for me right now. Unless Teddy wins the job, which you think he's going to. I see it on your face already. So, okay. So, I, I will approach this from two two uh, perspectives. Number one, I think th- I think they brought in Teddy. You brought in Teddy Bridgewater because you're done with Drew Locke. Uh, you, you, you don't. I disagree. You don't bring in a guy who's already a legitimate starter, probably considered a better starter than the guy you already have if you don't intend him to start. And with that said, nobody, nobody at this point in Teddy Bridgewater's career considers him your quarterback for the next decade. 
So as far as I'm concerned, whether you think so, like you're hot, you're a little, you're not little, you're a lot higher on uh, Drew Locke than I am. I could because I don't see a guy who's passionate. I don't see a leader. I don't see a grown up. You see, you. This is the third or fourth time you've mentioned that, and I don't, I don't get that from from your angle. I don't Why? Know. I see a laissez-faire well, guy who like take it or leave it. This is me. You know, you know, you know, dancing on a sideline. I just don't see a professional. Listen, this is dude. Okay, 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 Mister Sam Darnold fan, the guy that the fucking guy on the bench I've seen ghosts. You want that guy? You want a guy that's enjoying himself when he did something good? I didn't like. Did I say I was okay with Sam Darnold saying he was seeing ghosts? But I also don't see Sam Darnold on the sideline doing the Italian Tarantella over there, thinking, "Oh, look how great I am!" When you got one of the lowest completion percentages in the friggin' NFL. Oh, he's a young man. Let him enjoy himself. But this is okay. So you're making my point here, or or you're you're taking me to my point. This is not a wide receiver. This is not uh, Jefferson over in Minnesota, who's a friggin' big mouth talking back to Kirk Cousins. You can be that if you're a you can be a kind of a jerk off if you're a wide receiver. You can be kind of a jerk off if you're a running back. You know, uh, if you're a linebacker, if you're a corner, if you're a safety, you can do it. You could be Jamal Adams and be a big mouth wise ass, and half the time you're hurt. Demanding big con- You're the freight. You're the face of the franchise. You are the quarterback. It's unfair. Let me let me start this off this way. It's unfair. You're asking a 21, 22, 23 year old kid to come in and be as mature as a 40 year old man. It's not fair. But this is the friggin' job. This is who Andrew Luck was. This is who Joe Montana was. This is who Tom Brady was. This is who Ben Roethlisberger wasn't. And this is the only problem they've ever had with Ben is because he was immature, but he was so goddamn talented. Your talent, if you're not going to be a mature leader professional, your talent better overwhelm. This is the problem with Cam Newton. This is the problem with Jameis Winston. This was the problem with Johnny Manziel. And I just don't... Now, I'm not saying Drew Locke is Johnny Manziel. Slow down. I'm not saying he's Johnny Manziel. I'm saying the problem is he's not a grown-up. Reel it back in, baby. He's not a a grown-up. He's not a leader. He's 22 years old. So what? Listen, dude. Who else is twenty? How old is how old is um is uh, uh the Chiefs Mahomes? How old is he? Same age. When when did the NFL become two years and we gotta get rid of a quarterback? When did, when did we we have? When you see that he sucks. He didn't start until his tenth game his rookie year, and he missed six games last year. The guy's got basically no friggin' guy here, and and you're willing to throw him out with the trash. I'm will I am thoroughly willing to throw him out with the trash, and so is Denver. And so is Denver. If you didn't, if you didn't, if they didn't think so, they would have brought in Joe Flacco to back him up again. But they don't. They bring in a guy who can That's beat him Flacco. out. That's why you know why they Listen brought in a guy who can beat him out because they want the guy to beat him out. And now I'm going to take you to the draft. They're not off the board on quarterback. I agree with you that if, no. if a guy like uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields falls to them, they're going to take him. And ooh. you know what? They should. Shut up. And the reason that they should is because you know it, I know it, and everyone else knows it. They're done with Drew Locke. You don't call. He's your. Th- he's only going into his third year, right? You don't call for a quarterback <sighs> competition if you believe in your third-year quarterback. Jets didn't do that with Sam Darnold, did they? And he stunk. And, and he stunk. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about Yeah, and he's gone. Right? So you just brought in competition for your third year quarterback. And what you think they love him? They're done with him. They want him they want him okay. to get beat out. And All here's right. why. Because okay. because a year from now they can they can relinquish 
uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater's contract. It won't cost him a dime, and they'll be done with. And they'll be done with. Um, they'll be done with. Um, Drew Lock. Now for the draft, I don't think they're off the board on quarterback. But where I will agree with you is this move opened up a multitude of options. A ton. Yes, I a multitude yes, yes. of options. They can stay there and go defense. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. These le- For those of you who are listening, we're recording this after 8 o'clock at night, usually we record in the afternoon, and I think our we got a little extra paprika in our, uh, in, in, <laughs> in our attitudes today. They, they my, can, arm, my arm just wants to Oh, my arm. I think it's broken. Oh, my arm. <laughs> um, they could go defense if they want to. They could go, they could, I shouldn't even say defense. They can draft anywhere they want or they could, they could trade back. Um, They can stay there and take a quarterback if one falls to them. Um, They have, they have a lot of options. They really do have a lot of options. So for all those reasons, for all those reasons, I like the move. And like you said, it's, it's a, it's a bargain. It's a steal. Who gives a shit about a number six pick? It matters. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say a number six pick doesn't matter, but to get a, to get a, a a true starting quarterback for a sixth round pick, it's a steal. It's a no brainer. But where me and you differ is you think they actually give a shit about Drew Locke. They're done. They're done with Drew Locke. And I gotta be honest I with, you. with you. I disagree with you. I gotta be I honest with you. With I think you. Drew Locke's gonna have trouble even finding a friggin' job. Because I think his reputation is is mud in this league right now. I don't think too many teams like them coming out of the draft. He's not oh he's not OJ Simpson. Let's calm down. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> but if Aaron Rodgers offered to give him a no, I'm kidding. Um, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, I just, I just listen. In all seriousness, I don't think a lot of teams liked him coming out of the draft. Uh, I think Denver was desperate. That that, 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 I, that I could agree with you. Now I Denver, got Denver. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So there were rumors that Denver wanted him at ten, <laughs> and they got him at 40, 41 or something like that. So I was sitting there as a broker going, "Holy shit!" We got him thirty picks there than they thought, and it, yeah. but maybe that well, because goes the, the, that last team's respect. because to, along with the lines of what you're saying, the physical traits are there. The guy, the, his physical ability, the arm talent, the, the mobility, it's all there. Um, yeah, but you just thought he just can't dance. He's, he's like he's anti Kevin Bacon a footloose. Yeah, don't don't dance on the sidelines when don't you're dance. when you're the starting court. Don't like dab. I mean, come on, man, you can't do it. You were the same guy that Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl. Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl. Oh, Am I a Cam Newton guy? Well, you no, you're not. But how? No. You, Why don't I like Cam Newton? Your, because he's a freaking def- he's an idiot. But all your defenses, you went to the Super Bowl. I know well, of course, because that's yet. the goal. I, and I understand. I bring, that. that's I bring up Cam Newton for Justin Fields because I say, man, if he's going to be Cam Newton, well, freaking Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl. I'd like to go to a Super Bowl. Without without the crazy hats. Can can we get Cam Newton without the hats and without the weirdness? Then I'm in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now I'm making without a case for hats. Justin Fields at number two to the Jets. Jesus, I don't know if we could do this at night anymore. So I just I, I just I like it better at night to be honest with you. Yeah, I just think Denver's done with Drew Locke. I, I just don't think you bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater if you if you're if you're don't. if you're happy with your guy. It's a competition. Well, let me, with, cap- tell, let, me, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you that. I'm going to ask you this. and I'm going to let you roll. Tell me the last time a team brought in competition for their current starter and their current starter kept their job. Uh, like, we're going to bring in some competition because we're going to try to you, light you, a fire little, under his ass. And yeah, when does that work out? More time than that. But there, there has been a time or two, I think. Um, yeah? 
Well, how about Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes? They didn't bring in Patrick Mahomes to be competition for Alex Smith. They brought him in to replace him, which he did. To replace him? <laughs> well, uh, well, Bridgewater, Bridgewater's not doing that. If he does, then the Broncos have more problems than I think. And what? So, but I, I think they do, and that's why I'm, I'm saying, don't be so quick to assume they still, they won't still draft a quarterback. So, let me, let me put a bow on this puppy, and then we, we can move on for sure. Um, I, I, on a serious note, as a Bronco fan. If Bridgewater, if Bridgewater bumps him out and plays well, then then we know Bridgewater's the guy. Locke's gone. If Locke is up to the challenge and beats out Bridgewater, and then now we see we use those weapons, we we compete in that division, we go ten and seven, eleven and six. Then now we know Locke's the guy. So I think this is a big year for for either one of them to maybe put their stamp on the job. Because this, like, like, because Bridgewater's he's not he's not Joe Flacco at this point. He can still play. No, yeah, he's still a young guy too. So, so, so he's gonna go. He's gonna go into that job thinking he's gonna win it. Which is, which is as a Bronco fan and and this and the draft talk and everything else aside, as a, as a as a fan and as a, as a competitor and as a team that needs a quarterback for the first time since Peyton Manning. Let's figure it out. Let's go. Because the the team's good. The team's talented. So I don't think Teddy Bridgewater in any way, shape, or form is your long-term answer to this position. But let's be real about that division. While I think the division is competitive and interesting, and especially at the quarterback position, let's not pretend that the Raiders are a great team. Let's also remember that the Chargers were a sub-500 team last year. So there's absolutely no reason that Teddy Bridgewater with that offensive line and those those weapons on offense and if the defense plays up to its potential that they couldn't be the second best team in that division. And if they're the second best right. team in that division, you could potentially be a playoff team. Sure. But I just I just don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is your he's not your answer. But I'm just saying for this year and then if you have a quarterback in mind for the future, I t- that's why I'm saying, dude, think about this. Teddy Bridgewater it, okay. Teddy, it's Teddy's job to lose, whether you think so or not. It's Teddy Bridgewater's job to lose. Now, what's fascinating? I, just, I think it's Locke's job to lose. I no, think it's Locke's job to lose. It's absolutely not because you don't bring in this guy for that. But here's where Locke. Yeah, but listen, you could Locke's confidence is fried if that's the thing. That's it. They don't so, care. It, they don't give a shit about his confidence. I you mean, had three, it, it you had three years. GM, you had two years to build your different confidence. Different GM did draft. Different GM did draft. Yeah, they have uh, no. Locke, they have so no. I, 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 yeah. But here's yeah, where no here's where it, here's where it kind of does get interesting. You know you know what quarterback was challenged and came back and won a starting position this past season and and turned out Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was told at the end of what would that be twenty uh, nineteen. Take, take the Jets thong off. For no, this Christ is not sake. a Jet. This is a Zach Wilson thing. He was told, uh, "Sorry, buddy, you didn't have the best season we were thinking." and there's a quarterback competition and you know what he did he said let's do it and he and he went and he and he made himself better and won the damn job and now he's going to be probably the second pick in a draft so does it happen yeah it does happen and and if that were to happen wait 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 wait. it's just in drew lock is practicing at mile high stadium right now because he got the same advice let's go (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna win the job, baby. Let's go. So if 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 Drew Locke turns it on, listen, who's more talented? Who's bigger? Who's stronger? Who's a better runner? Who's a better thrower? Who who's more accurate? There's no question about that. Drew Locke is more talented than Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, by the way, he's younger and cheaper. 
So, but they just, they don't believe in him anymore. You don't bring in Teddy Bridgewater if you still believe him. But if Drew Locke puts in the work from now till camp, he's he's more talented. So could he win the well, job? Absolutely. If he, he was, shows out he and was, goes off. Listen, coaches aren't stupid. They want to win. GMs aren't stupid. They want to win. If it's just obvious that Drew Locke put in the work and now he's clearly the leader and all this kind of stuff, they're going to play him. But it's Bridgewater's job to so, lose. So he was working with Peyton Manning all offseason, which is a great sign. I'm not saying I don't know any I don't know any results on anything yet, but I'm just saying that's what I heard, and that and that's a good start. That's a it good is start for me. because his problems aren't physical. His problems Correct. are mental. We'll, we'll say like reads. personal. Yeah. Uh, are yeah. you a leader? Yeah. Are you a leader? Do you take take your job seriously? Are you a professional? Are you going to dance on the sidelines? Like, don't do that. Listen, I, I swear to God, if we play the Jets and he does a touch on dances, I am driving to your house. All right. And I'm gonna dance in front, and I'm gonna dance in front of you. If he does that, I'll dance with you. My man, pots and pans. And we'll That's put cool. it on we'll put it on Instagram. So I got so I got something for you. We'll transition into something that I heard this morning. Okay. On our fa- on one of our favorite radio shows, the Dan Patrick Show. Hmm. Mr. Mel Kuyper, your boy your A boy, true professional that Dan before. Patrick is. Oh, what a, what a hero. Um, Mr. Mel Kuyper was on, and he mentioned something that I thought was very interesting. So he said that he heard through the grapevine if the Jets picked third, they would have kept Arnold and traded back to get more picks is what we were th- we were thinking at, even at number two. Yeah. So that that's how much they fell in love with Wilson. You think? At the pro day. That's what, that's what we think, yes. Yeah. I, so I don't think it happened at the pro day. I think that's. Oh, I. Oh, I do. I think it's just talk. Because there um, was a long time. Well, everything's talk up until this point. Because they were already they were already pegged to have take to take him at number two before the pro day. Yeah, remember, but there was a lot of talk keeping Sam. There was a lot of stuff going on, dude. That's what the talk was. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Well, the, well, the same talk, the same talk would go that's the true. other way too, pal. You that's know, it works both ways. All right, all right, all right. Go easy on me. So, so I'm sorry. So here, so here's another thing that I find interesting. I well, so let me just say this. I I don't know that that's not true. I think that's probably true. No, I, I think it is. No, true. I, think I think that's true. I think, I think it's an interesting thing, though. I think it's probably true, whether it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Like, if you can get your guy, you get your guy. No, I, I don't. No, I don't think so. I think I think it's Wilson. No, no, no. I, I, I don't mean Wilson it like that. Focus. Let me uh, let me rephrase that. Okay. I think at number two they can get their guy. So whether that guy is Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, I don't know. I'm just saying, I know it's probably Zach Wilson. I'm just keeping this possibility open. Maybe I just want to look like a genius if they end up taking Justin Fields. Okay, but all I mean is by by saying that is whoever they're picking at number two, like that's their guy. And if if he was if that wasn't who they could get, then I I I'm not. That doesn't surprise me at all. I really do. I truly do believe they were doing a full, legitimate eval of all potential quarterbacks that could come in along with Sam and really looking at what, what's the best option for us. Forget about the money right now. What's the best option? for? I really do think they were doing a deep dive into that. And I think that's why the trades didn't happen that were potentially possible early on. Um, I just don't think they were ready. I think they were really doing their due diligence, which I'm actually thrilled to hear because I feel like this regime is much more prepared 
and and doing the work that previous regimes haven't really done. So, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. So does it surprise you? You want? No, it does not surprise okay. me. I just, I, I, I was, I was just, I was, I was shocked that Kuiper came out and said it draft Eve. Well, is he is what I was is like. that his opinion or does he is he doing some reporting because that's not no really he his said thing. he said he said he said he said inside sources. Oh, that's not normally his thing, man. So then that's probably a real deal. Not, and, and 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 DP was taken aback. He's like, oh, really? It's not his thing. He's not a reporter. Like but, it's that's an Adam Schefter yeah, not, kind of move. He's not, he's not Shefty, right? I yeah, was that's uh, oh, that's so that's here, interesting. That's interesting to me. So here, so here's so here's an interesting fact. Sam Darnold is the same age as Kyle Trask. Isn't that something? It's crazy. Isn't that something? Dude. This was part of the evaluation process. Like, this kid is 20. He's going to be 23 years old when his season starts. He's still very young. Because when he came in, he was the youngest player 20 ever. 20 years the old. youngest kid ever to be in the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and then I think, and I think Juju one and of, I think Juju a year later passed it or some weird shit. Yeah, like, it, he was one of – he was definitely, like, the youngest starting quarterback in NFL history. Crazy stuff, man. I just this is part of why you know, you know, people probably laughed at us and think it was Jets bias or local bias because we were talking Sam Darnold all the time, talking to Jets. That was the story. And guess what? We we said, listen, if Sam Darnold gets moved and once the draft comes, the story's over because you know it's it's, it's the, over. It's the it's speculation, it's over. and there's real speculation, and it's and it boggled my mind as we said a thousand times because so many people were coming to his defense with such horrendous stats. Nobody's coming to Josh Rosen, Josh Josh Rosen's defense. Like you know, people people have a hard time even coming to Kirk Cousins' defense, and he puts up monster numbers. Like you know, but yet they're yeah. coming to this yeah. guy who's the 34th rated quarterback in the NFL, and there's only 32 teams. Like. You got to ask why. You have to ask why. Part of it is that your coach was Adam Gase. Part of it is that you were part of a Jets team that had zilch for talent. Like Sam Donald was probably the seventh best offensive lineman on a team, and he's not an offensive lineman. Like they had no receivers. Like It just was bad organization, bad timing, tough division at the time. You know, you're facing New England and Buffalo. And and people just look. And, he, and like you just mentioned, he's young. Like you're, you're yeah. not talking. Like if you take Kyle yeah. Trask right now, he better be good pretty soon because he's gonna he's gonna have gray hair in like three years. So it's all it was all part <laughs> of it, but it's fascinating. He's gonna be he's gonna be Brandon Whedon soon. Yeah, and I'm again I'm glad you bring that up because it makes us look good because we were talking about something that was real. Yes, sir. You know, it was real. So, um, I have something here that I was surprised. How much kind of feedback? And I got the feedback I got was personal. Like it was just texts and direct conversation from people who listen to the podcast. But it was more than I <laughs> more than I would have thought. It was on your classic Yankees rant where you started, <laughs> I mean, quite calm. You seemed quite cool, calm, and collected because you're like, you know, it's early and season just started and the Yankees have kind of done this before where they start off cold and everything's going to be fine. Lollygaggers. And the adrenaline started pumping and the blood pressure started rising. And the love for your Yankee rant last week was apparent. 
And uh, I got some interesting comments. The question, one of the questions that came up is, are you surprised, concerned, bothered by the fact that the Yankees at Yankee Stadium have no real left-handed power in their lineup? Like, is this something, is it like, yes. you know, Brian Cashman, you've been here for yes. 20 years and you got no real lefty power in this lineup? Yeah, for sure. So that's a great question and a great point. So... A couple years back, me and my buddy Fabuch, Chris Allen, your buddy mm-hmm. of yours too, cigar, sure. cigar, cigar pal, an aficionado. Yeah, we had to a three. Be, to be sure, we had a three. Great, great, great word, great call. We had a Sunday package for three years, and their lineup consisted of Robinson Cano, Nick Swisher, Curtis Granderson, um, a switch hitting Jorge Posada, mm. um, and there's another lefty in there that I'm missing, Melky Cabrera, I believe. Oh yeah. So they had, a, they had a lot of left-handed bats in that Mel- short porch, Melky man. Juice Cabrera. Oh, Mark Deshera, too. Switch it to Mark Deshera. I, I'm, excuse me. I forgot another guy. So, yeah. So now all of a sudden, the last two, three years, they've been And let me, if I may interrupt you, from that point, don't make me- from that point, if you go back about, I don't know, 80 years, they've always had significant left-handed bats in this lineup because Ab- it's about abs- 220 absolutely. down the line. Absolutely, it's 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 Elmwood Park Borough Field. The genius. yeah, come on, it's a it's a pop shot. You get hit it, you hit it out of there with a wiffle ball. It, it's very alarming, and um, you know, left hand. Listen, I'm not going to go on a rant today. I'm very calm. The Yankees have won a couple since the rant. Um, but Brett Gardner, Brett Gardner again, 38 years old, batting third. Aaron Hicks, third. switch hitter. They paid him. He's brutal. Aaron Hicks is brutal. Go play golf. Face. Now he could bat lefty, bat. right? Because he's a switch hitter. Switch hitter, yeah, he's a switch hitter, yeah. And he's and he's got more. His average right now is pop is better from the right-handed side. So, but what he's a um, mental case? Just, is that his problem? You think is that his big? I don't thing? think he's a mental case. I think I do. I think he sucks. I don't. Oh, think, I, I just good. don't think he's a good. Yeah, it's worse. I'd rather be a mental case than just not that good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you be Lenny Dykes here? But hey, did you listen to that bump and run podcast? Yeah, that Kyle Santa. He's a real mental case. Hey, it's really good, but he's yeah, he's a total mental case. <laughs> He wants hand jobs. Did you hear that? The Aaron Rodgers hand job, man? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So they just brought up a guy from the minor leagues from Princeton, Mike Ford, who's a left-handed bat. And he's actually had three bombs in the last four or five games, which is which is a great start. Which is what no one else has been doing. But but got but this is what we're talking about. But then we're back to this idea that all they are is home runs. It's like home run or die. Well, we know we know that. That's what they are. They 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 (sighs) listen, they're not gonna hit and run. They're not they're not gonna double steal on you. They're not gonna double steal with their Shella and 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 Torres. They have shit in their pants when they run the bases. They're not gonna do it, guys. Like that's what they are. So if they don't hit on runs, they're they're a stale team. It does seem that way. Which which leads me to the next comment that I got, and one of one of one of my people, one of the people who I was talking to said, you know, don't don't be so quick to poo poo analytics because he's kind of a numbers guy, and I'm like, well, I'm not trying to poo poo analytics, and I got no problem even building your team based on analytics. What I got a problem well, with me, is basing your in every to- single one of your goddamn in game decisions on analytics, because yes. you've got it. There's got to be some. There's got to be some, what's the friggin' thing I'm trying to say? Like that, the personal feel, the in-game feel. Otherwise, why do you even have a friggin' manager? You know, I was listening today on, I don't know if it was on K's show or somebody, I think it was on K, and they're talking about firing somebody. I'm like, what the frick are you talking about? Fire somebody. Nobody even makes decisions based on anything anymore. It's all based no, on I numbers. Don't. And if it's all based on numbers, yeah. then there's, there's really no reason to fire anybody. There's also no reason to pay anybody. 
Why are you paying these managers anything? And so I just think it's a mistake. You have these guys, you hire these guys who know baseball. You can have strategy based on numbers. You can have lineups based on numbers. You can pick free agents and make trades based on numbers. And I'm fine with that. But in game, in game, man, I, I manage a little league baseball team right now. And sometimes I'm just like, I just got a feeling this guy's just going to hurt. And you know what? Sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not going to work. But guess what? Sometimes analytics works and sometimes that shit don't work. You know, in the NFL over the last couple of years, you saw teams going for two like at strange times in the game. And I had friends and family ask, well, why the hell are they going for two? And I said, it's got to be some kind of analytics thing. But what analytics doesn't tell you is what it does to a team's psyche. See, like if your team, if you're down by uh, seven or if you're down, yeah, let's say you're down by, uh, you're down by seven and like somehow the analytics say you, you get the touchdown, you go for two so that you can then go for, if you don't get it, you can go for two again because it's a 50-50 proposition. But what you don't understand is if your team is down by eight as opposed to being down by seven, you're mentally yeah. different. I Thank you. And analytics can't friggin' measure that all the time. So analytics can't tell you how Derek Jeter's shoulders go down because he knows what happens when a certain reliever comes into the game. Because that guy always gives up hits, even though the numbers say go with a lefty. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. I'm not here to I'm not here to bash analytics. I just am not so big on it in game. Let managers and players, coaches, let them do what they do in game. There's got to be some human element because it's a human game. Period. I, I, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna stick up for you because you said it last week. I'm not poo-pooing analytics as a whole, but we need bits and pieces of with my eyeballs that we can we can we can manage a baseball game here. It, there's just no doubt about it. There's nothing wrong and with I a had, bunt. I, there's nothing wrong. With a guy saying, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to slap the ball the other way. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, man. That's part of a game. And, oh, by the way, it's a game. There is strategy. It's not just numbers. Yeah. In the olden days, what what did they say? Slap one down. Get out of the slump. Get a bunt down. You get a little confidence. Feel your foot on first base. You get the mindset going. All that, like Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier's struggling like you can't believe. He's sitting fly ball after fly ball at a winning track. He's frustrated. Today he hit a home run smile the confidence like, like you just don't know like just to fill that column it's human element no there's no it's, it's about personality it. you don't know like what these guys think how many times we see a shift like a massive shift or at least one shifting really started big time and you look and you're like there's Six, one there's one guy on the left side of the infield you're a freaking yeah. professional hitter you're gonna tell me you can't just slap one that way and get a hit yeah and just say, dude, if you're going to do this to me, I'm going to I'm gonna slap it over there every friggin' time, and I'm going to bet 700. You can't it do that. Mark Te- it, it ruined Mark Teixeira's career. He, Maroon is, he, he, I think he's actually who I have in mind. And what's fascinating about Teixeira and, and Giambi before him is before they were Yankees, they were able to hit the ball to the left center field gap. As, left, as lefty hitters, they were left center field, right center field gap hitters. Giambi was a beast. At going from left center to right center, he really wasn't a dead pole hitter when he was with Oakland. And you come to that short porch, and they become you know dead pole hitters, and you're like, bro, you were a great hitter. You were a great hitter who hit 35 home runs, and now you're going to be a poor hitter who hits 37. 
It doesn't make sense. Not, not only not, not not only a power hitter, average hitter, and a great walk guy. He's on base percentage. That's what I'm saying. Teixeira was yeah, like a 320 hitter and had 35 home runs, and then he became a 280 hitter with 37 home runs. That's not better. And nobody cares about the friggin' on base percentage anymore, which I think is bananas. Like, what's the point? Get on base and score. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah, I don't know. So the last that's, comment that's I the last comment I got in regards to the Yankees was kind of a question, like kind of a question comment like aren't they just too fragile also and is this a problem with trades free agency like you're bringing in now i don't know that giancarlo stanton was fragile before he got here um ellsbury was not so much fragile with the red sox before he got i know he's not there now but i'm just saying like i'm looking back and i'm thinking you know some of these guys just because it just and it's even like judge is another one like I don't know. Was he always just so fragile, or because you brought up the idea that these guys don't even want to dive? And like, are they just? It's fra- not. It's not. It's not. I don't think it's not that they don't want to. I think it's been told to them that. They don't well, want that's to. what I'm saying. They are they just a fragile team then? And if they're, if, and if they oh. are, are they even really a viable contender? In 2017, a year, I think it was a year removed when they traded Chapman, they traded Beltran, they traded uh, um, Miller in the bullpen. And they got all these pieces back, like these young pieces. Like even like Don LaGreca on the Michael K show hates the Yankees. He said, I hate, I can't stand the Yankees. In 2017, they were a fun baseball team. Yes. Judge, Judge, it's, Judge, it's 50 bombs as a rookie. Like this team was fun, man. Yes. Like Didi, Didi, and LeMay wasn't even there yet. Stanton wasn't there yet. Like this team was just fun. Sanchez, Sanchez was killing the ball. Yeah, his catching wasn't great, but who cared? Like there, he was killing the ball. He was a great hitter, great, yeah, great beautiful hit. swing. And now, like, and now we're going like, someone yeah. called up today and goes, a Yankee, a Yankee fan goes, I hate this team. I hate it. They're just not fun like, to they watch. They bring nothing. They're not fun to watch. So, so to answer that question, are they fragile? Absolutely, they are. But it, was it always like that? No, because Judge played a full year and and Stan won an MVP in, in Miami. Obviously, playing a full year, I, I don't know. And and the Yankees have uh, has fired their their old training and weightlifting staff because it's got so ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's going on. And listen, you can't blame the cold weather. It's fucking colder in Cleveland and Detroit and Chicago and Boston. It's not even cold here. There's, there's a lot of teams that are dealing with this stuff. So I'm listening to Philly radio yeah, today, it, and they're complaining nuts, about the man. they're complaining about the same things with analytics. And what you're seeing, so now we have the highest strikeout rate like in his, in the history of sport. We have the highest swing and miss rate. Let me rephrase that. I don't know about the strikeout rate. We have the highest swing and miss rate in the history of the sport. Oh, and Jesus. what that is is guys are just swinging for defenses and they don't give a shit about strikeouts. It's just it's a home run. You got It's a home run hitting yeah. game. And it's so funny to me because in the mid '90s and late '90s, the resurgence of baseball came. Because you had steroids and Bonds and and McGuire and Sosa, Sosa and all these guys yeah. hitting yeah. home runs, but the rest of the game, the rest of the sport was doing what baseball does. You still had guys stealing bases. Who even steals bases anymore? Do we even know who the leading base stealer in the league is? Is there anybody who I, even steals I, anymore? I have no, I have no clue. My buddy at work does a fantasy baseball uh, fantasy league, and. Um, he goes, oh, I gotta get this guy because it's stealing bases. It's a, it's a category. I gotta. I go, what? Does anybody do that anymore? I go, I go, well, I go. What's the leader with nineteen? Like, yeah. I, I, I wasn't even being funny. I don't, I don't know because I know. I no, don't yeah, see I agree. Do it, so, and and what I the problem no is, the problem is, 
any sport, when it becomes one-dimensional, this has happened in the NBA now. The NBA is basically dunks or yeah. three-pointers, and it's more three-pointers than yep. dunks, frankly. And it's just becoming boring. And um, the NFL does the opposite. The NFL has become more of a passing league, and what's interesting about the passing league is that the ball's fucking flying all over the goddamn place. As opposed to three yards in a cloud of dust, it's flying all over the place. Now, they need to be really careful that it doesn't become so easy that it looks like seven-on-seven, but we're not there yet. So, you know, we're not there yet, and and sport is very healthy. The NBA and Major League Baseball are in a torturous position right now. Um, NBA, for two reasons, it's such a woke league um, I swore I wasn't going to mention LeBron James's tweet. I'll just mention that he 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 posted what he posted about that cop, and he's irres- it was irresponsible. Yeah, and sure. it puts sure. it puts a league that was already half hated by half the country even more on notice because they just say you don't care about us, you're not interested in us, and and uh, and that's. The one half of why it's disliked and one half of why nobody even talks about the NBA because 50% of their ratings are down 50%, 50 friggin' percent in a year. In wow. a year, their ratings are down 50%. So nobody even, if you go to talk radio, the national shows, nobody talks NBA. They talk NBA for about five friggin' minutes because nobody watches. Partly because it's gone so politically correct or woke or whatever the hell you, you know, whatever the hell you want to call it. The other part is because it's gotten boring as shit because it's yeah. just three pointers and dunks. And it's like, nobody, it's no basketball anymore. It's just a boring game. And, 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 ba- also, and baseball it, has it, gotten that way because they've just become so goddamn one dimensional and it all goes back to analytics. And NBA, it's also, you know, you, let's, let's join my three best friends and try to put something together. It's stupid. It's, it's a problem. Stupid. It's a problem. It's a problem. So, um, but no, but just to, 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 to end your, uh, the Yankee rant, uh, conversation i appreciate everyone comment on that i again it wasn't intentional i just i kind of it was entertaining though that's for sure but uh i had a couple (laughs) i had a couple responses as well and my buddy was like a couple my boys were going yep yep that sounds right yep yeah i mean like i didn't get many disagreements with it because no if you know baseball and you're a yankee fan this frustrates the hell out of you yeah interestingly it wasn't so uh, one one friend had a had a disagreement not so much a disagreement but he was saying hey don't kill analytics so much and i'm just like well i'm not i got no problem with analytics and we we discussed that but the rest of it was like yeah it's like you got no left-handed power uh you got lineup issues you got good pitching but it's not always pitching great and it's like you look like a fragile team so yeah it wasn't it wasn't so much that there were disagreements with you it was really more like that was entertaining as shit and it was fun to listen to (laughs) and they were kind of glad you did it and then you know there's also yankee haters that like to hear that the yankees are struggling a little bit and i'll say to them i'll say to them enjoy it now because if you think this team is going to be like a sub 500 team you're dreaming then then you don't know analytics because they're they're not going to be a sub 500 (laughs) team yeah especially in the american league yeah they're not they're not um, but I also, but the other side is I don't know that they're a championship team. And coming into no, the I, season, they I were agree. they were probably the favorites in the American League, or at least one of the favorites. And they certainly don't look like it now. Not, so I don't know if they're going to end up being a, a championship team. But they they definitely don't look like it right now. Yeah, and and when, and when they get fully assembled, we'll obviously we'll get a better read on that. But right yeah. now, no, they do not for sure. Yeah. Then no. So I don't know if they're a championship team, but they're not the team that you're looking at right now. Like slow down no. before before you. No. Before you call Aaron Rodgers for a little work, you, you slow down a little bit. <laughs> so last week, last week we did our mock draft, 
And that inspired me, like, what else could we, like, kind of mock draft? Like, what else can we do a draft for? And I saw a post on Instagram. And by the way, if you're, if you're on Instagram, you can follow our Instagram page uh, at a bump and run, bump and run cast, bump and run cast. And that's a great way to DM us, direct message us. And I'm hoping that you will direct message us on this particular topic. And if you don't want to direct message us because you feel so passionately that you need to talk directly to us, you can do that. And how do you do that? You do that through the Anchor app. Uh, if you listen to us on the Anchor app, bump and run, uh, be, bump and run uh, podcast, just bump and run. I'm sorry, bump and run. Um, and you listen on the, on the Anchor app, you can leave us a voice message. As far as I know, it's the only app, it's the only uh, you know program that you can use where you can actually leave a voice message. And I got a feeling we're going to get some voice messages this week, Scott, because our draft, as we'll say for this segment, is favorite sports movies of all time. And when I pose this to you, I think we both looked at this like, oh, this will be fun. And this is easy. And I immediately, <laughs> I immediately threw down five, five names, right? And then I went to a website. That had like, yeah, I looked up like, hey, what are the great, you know, greatest sports movies of all time? And it was like 30, 30 greatest sports movies of all time. And I started, I'm like, oh, that's one of them. Oh, that's one. And and I, and it almost instantly, three out of the five that I originally put got bounced off the list. And then putting them in order, this was, um, this was an act of fun and torture simultaneously. I agree. It was just, it was not easy, but it was absolutely fun. Now, we're going to start with our number five and we'll work our way to our top one. Um, and before, before I do that, I want to tell you how, I'll say like, what was my criteria for how I ended up at my five? As a, So I ended up, I, I really had like, I think 10 because I got my, five, my top five and then I have five honorable mentions. And three of those same. honorable I mentions. Same, I got the same exact thing. Yeah, so three of those honorable mentions were originally in the top five, and then they got bounced. So, <laughs> same exact thing. <laughs> so what I've discovered of my actual top five is that if any of these five are on TV as I'm scrolling through to see what's on, I will watch, and I will watch till the end, regardless of what point they are in the movie. So, like... That's a great... That's a great way of putting it. Let's Absolutely. say, like, I'll give you an example, like the movie The Rock with uh, Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. That's one of those movies, like, TBS plays it every other weekend, I think. And if I see that it's on, I'm watching. I don't care where, what point it's at. I'm going to watch it, and I'll watch it to the end. Like, it's just a great movie. So that was how my top five got formed. And then I realized something interesting about most of my movies. I'm going to, as I give you my five... I'm going to put them into the cryometer, which my cryometer will tell you uh, how much crying I do while I, wow, watch, okay. while I watch these movies. Okay? Yeah, so what we'll do is we'll start with our fives, and we'll work our way from five all the way down to one. And, you know, we'll give our justifications. We'll talk about them, and it'll, it'll be fun. And then we'll give our honorable Perfect. mentions. And I think, listen... If you're listening and you don't call in on this one, then I don't even know if you got a pulse, man. You either don't have a pulse or you don't have any balls because you're afraid to call. Now, it's got to be one or the other. Now, give us give us a call or shoot us a DM on Instagram, Bump and Run Cast. So my number five 
with a cryometer rating of five. So there's some tears here and there, but it's not it's not a cry fest. The natural, uh, one of my favorites, definitely one of those that if it's on, I go to. I just it stays on. There's just something about that kind of like chromatic look of you know the 1940s or 50s, whatever it is. Robert Redford. Yeah. It's got a pretty decent swing, if I'm being honest. The old baseball field, the bags for the bases, the coach. The old lights. Yeah, the big lights on top of the stadium. God, it's just something. There's something about that that's like, I think most people who love baseball and love the tradition of baseball, that's kind of the image they have in their head, like Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, you know, Stan Musial, like that era. I don't know. That's kind of the when we romanticize about baseball. Julius Joe, Ty Cobb, yes, all that stuff. It's just an older yeah, look. You, you know, yep. that's the kind of way we think about it. So the natural for me comes in at number five with a cryometer rating of five. It's a couple tiers here and there, especially right at the end. But the movie itself, I don't necessarily it's not much right. of a tearjerker. I just love it. I just absolutely love it. Your number five? My number five, a classic, a golf comedy, Caddyshack, 1980 film. Is it 1980? Every time this movie's on, every time this movie's on, it was before I was born, but this movie cracks me up. How about us making a reference to it earlier in the show? Oh, my arm. I think it's broken. (laughs) 50 bucks as you slice it in the woods. You want to make $15 the hard way? <laughs> Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, and I never slice. Never slice. Okay, you can owe me. <laughs> hey, nice hat. Looks good on you, though. Does it come with a free ball of soup? Hey, Wang, what's with and the I camera? Know. It's a parking lot. And I know our buddy Steve is oh. laughing out loud right now. And he's thinking, Pete, you so- sound okay, but you should get me... Maybe maybe Steve will give us a couple on the on on the voice message about how how Rodney actually sounds in those man. That would be that would absolutely oh, make the show next week. I love he's, yeah he's love the selection Caddyshack definitely. Ugh, fantastic. Yes, sir. All right, number four for me. I'm going basketball, and wow. I'm heading to Indiana. Hoosiers. Hoosiers with a cryometer rating of six. Um, this is not what I picture with basketball. In fact, there's, there's many ways that this is not a basketball. I can make an argument. Wow. I just thought of another, another movie that sucks in many ways. This is not so much, <laughs> uh, wow. And this movie would make my top five. That's so messed up. Anyway, I'm going to write it down and I'll talk about it later. Um, in many ways, this is not a movie about basketball. It's a movie about redemption. And that's what may I think that's what makes it so great when when these movies have a story that's really beyond the sport, and um, the coach in this one, you know, he basically socked the kid Norman in the friggin' jaw, yeah, and came back to bring these like lily white farmers to the to the state championship in Indiana. Um, I just it's a great movie. Uh, no, great movie. Great Definitely. movie. Listen, great actors. There are some phenomenal actors. Gene Hackman. Um, yep. uh, I'm trying to think of who the drunk dad is. What his real name is. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, not um. Passed away. Uh, boy, I'm drawing a blank. Damn it. 
Anyway, it doesn't matter. You, you, you'll see that you can you can see him in the movie Hoosiers. Great movie. Six on the cryometer. Six. But a, a, my my fourth ranked movie, greatest sports movie of all time. That is a great movie. So my next my next three are baseball heavy, and I think baseball Hollywood makes great baseball movies. Well, because there's four. there's something about baseball, especially traditional baseball, like old school baseball. There's just it's just a romantic thing. And the funny mm-hmm. thing, you know, what's funny about that? We were talking about analytics. What we what we romanticize about baseball is the total opposite of analytics. So that's probably why we love the movies that Dude, you're going to start mentioning. That's that's a that's a that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. good call. What's your number four? So number number four for me is a flick out of 2001. And it's so funny. Billy Crystal was just on Michael K today talking about it. It's the movie 61. Oh, dude. Good call. I thought about this one. It wouldn't be in my top five, so, but it's, it's a great movie because it's a true friggin' story. So, and those so guys nailed so the acting. The actors nailed it. Dude. Dude. Uh, Thomas Jane, I think, of Barry Pepper played Mantle and Maris. Barry Pepper was um, awesome. Oh. They, they, did, they did a hell of a job, man. They really did. And I was a junior. I was a, I know, I was a so- I was a sophomore in high school when this movie came out and, and playing baseball with varsity level with, and having my dad tell me stories about these guys yeah. and then having a movie and Billy Crystal has a big Yankee fan and just watching and watching what Maris went through. Oh my God. Tortured. And, and we, and we talk, and, and you want to talk about a Yankee rant, like equivalent, like we're booing Stan, we're booing Sanchez, we're booing. Dude, Roger Maris was killing it. And just because he wasn't mantle, he's getting booed, putting up, positive numbers he's getting booed so to come full circle on like the last week or two on this and as a huge yankee fan and as like like history man like roger maris his and, and he didn't know that he broke the record till he died like he didn't even know it like just that movie that movie to me you want to talk about tears to me when yeah. when he goes to the hospital after and sees mickey yeah, dude, that's a great scene i can't i can't i can't be around anybody dude i'm not kidding you like, dude didn't it just feel real like when you saw that, oh. you're like, "Those are the guys." Like there was, those were actually yes. that was Mickey Mantle and yes. Roger Maris, and that's Absolutely what I mean, like great did. acting. Like those guys just killed those roles because Mickey was so um, confident and cocky, but at the same time, like he he felt he what? was gonna die. He is like everybody in my family dies early, so what are you talking about? But yeah, he listened to Roger and like kind of stayed relatively healthy that year and lived a better lifestyle. Like that's amazing. At the same time, he took Roger under his wing and then understood yes. what Roger was going through because he dealt with what DiMaggio the, under the, his dude, like the, the whole thing. The, the is anxiety, like, oh. the anxiety that Barry Pepper showed in being Roger Maris and the the death threats and the shit that he went through, the way the press attacked yeah. him. Like, God, dude, he just killed yeah. that role, man. He killed it, and it was just his, yeah, his good wife call. and his wife and four kids are in Kansas oh, City, yes. and he can't he, he can't have a hug and like. When he, oh, it, the whole thing is just, yeah. it's really crystal. Well done, pal. Like, I love that movie. Yep. Good call. Good call on that one. I like that one. I love that movie. Thank and you, to sir. be honest with you, that's actually one where if it's on and I happen to land on it, I'm watching it. I'm in. You know, I'm watching I'm it. I'm in. Uh, this next one for me gets the bump up to a 10 on the cryometer. I don't think I could cry anymore. I can cry less, I can cry the same, but I couldn't cry any more than I cry when I watch this movie. And I, I will have it with you. I would tell you that Kurt Russell kick, oh. hits it out of the friggin' park 
in this movie, Miracle, which is about the 1980 United States Olympic hockey team, I just, there's so many scenes that are great, but the one scene that I just lose my shit is after they beat the Russians, and instead of Kurt Russell, like, uh, uh, and Brooks, um, I forget his first name. Uh, Mel, Mel Brooks? Herb, no, Herb um, Brooks. Herb, Mel Herb Brooks was the yep, director. Yep, yep. Herb, Herb Brooks. You're right. Instead of going to his team, he goes into the hallway and he just goes down. And, and first, he's like, and he yeah. just, the way he just collapsed as if to say, holy shit, like we actually did it. Like, well, not he, only he like that, couldn't man, contain think- himself. Like he was going to explode. And the way Kurt Russell did it, ah, oh, God, there's so I much about was, that. I- I think it was a part of like we actually did it, and a part of him was like, as you know, as a coach, was like, my plan freaking worked. It worked. Like my yes. my twenty four year old kids beat this the greatest team ever assembled. Soviet team. Ugh. Yeah, man. And then and then you see, I'm getting chills, dude. I'm getting chills because I can picture it. You see all those guys like Aruzioni and all of them jumping on the. He's calling. I can like start crying right now. Like no shit. He's calling his teammates to come up on the podium, and they all come up, and somehow like uh, yeah. twenty guys yeah. fit on the friggin' podium with fit the gold a, medals, like 10 by 10 podium. holy yeah. shit, because they're all just hanging on to each other, just as just the way they played, you know. So, uh, yeah, that one, as you can yeah, tell, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> that one. one works yeah. for me. I can't, I can't, and I actually have um, a DVD, a signed DVD by the goalie. I can't think of his name right now either, but. Um, uh, Craig, something Craig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a movie, man. And and yeah. what's great about it is it's friggin' true. I like know. it's freaking true, and so it changed so, so the me, world. It literally changed. I was a kid. It changed the world. So what was that? Nin- nin- 1980. Were you seven? Were you seven? Yeah, about seven years old. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. I was a kid, yeah. but I know you know that was end of Jimmy Carter. We're coming into Reagan and. Um, it was a rough time for America. It was a rough time for the United States. And this freaking sports team, this goddamn hockey team, made an entire country believe in itself. I mean, it's just hard to comprehend that, dude. You know, we've been around greats your whole life, but you don't know, I don't think you know, what it's like to have a sports team. I don't know, maybe after 9-11 with the Yankees and the Mets, the way they kind of went at it and everything, like... um. To, but to have a sports team lift an entire nation, like literally yeah. lift an entire nation on its shoulders by doing something totally unexpected, it was a hell of a thing, man. Yeah. It was a hell of a thing. Sure. And like I said, Kurt Russell, who I I love him as an actor anyway, he just absolutely rocked this role. Like he just killed it. So, he clearly so did his research. Clearly did I'll his give, research. I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give one away. I, had, I have them eight. I have them so – Okay. So basically, three on my honorable mention list. Um, For sure. And I'll give something like I want. I, I want to hit on like what you just said. Like at the end, when they when they run the credits and they run the scroll and they're like they're showing the real guys. Herb Brooks, Herb Brooks was never alive to watch this movie. He lived it. And he, you're like, yeah, oh, oh my I lose god! It. I you're lose like, it. I want to run to my garage. Oh my like, Let's go! Like, <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. It's hard. It's tough, and it's just great. And it's just great. And there's something about greatness. There's something about greatness or unexpected greatness, which really because it makes everybody it makes everybody think maybe that could be me, you know. Well, and that's what being a sports fan is all about. For sure, one possibility, that one night, that one night is what you need. Yep, that's it. 
can happen at any time. Oh, it's amazing. What's your number three? So, so number three for me is a is a movie which I know it'll get you choked up, and I don't know if you have it on your list or not. But the end scene for me gets me every time. Feel the dreams. Oh man! Yeah. Anybody who has a dad. <laughs> oh, dude. Or had and a, a dad. Had a dad. No long, and, 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 a, and a dad that's no longer with us. For sure. It gets me, and, and you as well, 1989, Kevin Cosner, James Earl Jones. Again, uh, a great cast, way, great acting. Uh, and and the, way, the way that movie is, is directed and, 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 um, and portrayed on how... Like ghosts, ghosts. You yeah. build it if you build it, they will come. And 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 this August, the Yankees are going to play the White Sox there. On a, it, I know it, it, what, good, a trem- yeah, good what a tremendous thing. Like, how much does that uh, movie so, and so, that whole idea mean that we're going to actually play a professional baseball game? Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Petey, a hundred percent. So so that movie means a ton to me. Obviously, at the end, we're like. You know, he didn't know his dad. His dad was always minor league, then not around, then this and that. And then he he thought, as every 17, 18-year-old that ever's walked the earth, you think you know it all. You I know think, better. I know better than my dad. Yeah. I, right. We, Me and you, we have had this conversation a couple of times. <clears throat> Many times. Uh, listen to 80s music on, on our 12th bourbon. And, <laughs> and you know, you, 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 you regret it down the road. And that's what Kevin Cosner and that's what his that's what his character is saying where, give me one more, give me one more chance. Yep. Give me one more chance. And and you know and we all want it, and in going. this movie he got it, and I think we all kind of yep. oh, get man. to live vicariously for a moment th- through that character, and it's really friggin' Correct. cool. That movie is well on said. my um, honorable mentions. It was an it, it, it was one of the original five, but because of I had to make choices. You got to make choices, and one of the choices will take me to number two, and this also falls on a ten on the cryometer for me. And like, I don't know. It's a two-hour movie. I could probably cry for an hour, and that's Rudy, another true story. Um, interestingly, when I was in college, this movie was a couple years old, and I had a sports psychology class. And one of the assignments that we had was to interview someone, try to interview someone who's as famous as you can possibly find. <clears throat> and I had a student in my class actually interview Daniel Rudiger, who is Rudy, and. Um, um, trying to think of uh, the, the the kid who played Rudy in the movie. Um, Sean Sean Astin. Sean Astin. Sean Astin. Another one like similar to Kurt Russell. Sean Astin did his homework because as I'm listening to the real Daniel Rudiger, I'm like, holy shit, man, that sounds like the guy in the movie. <laughs> Sean Astin did his friggin' homework. Um, there are two scenes specifically in this movie. There are many where I I get teary eyed, um, but two specifically that I have to speak of. Number one. When he finally gets accepted to Notre Dame. And he's crying on the bench. And, he can't cr- and, and you could hear him he, like yeah. sobbing. And then he just friggin' takes off and starts running. And you see and it, great cinematic work because the Golden Dome is right in the background of the, yeah, of the lake. Yes. And, and he's just a, running the towards the... Falling the down. Oh, Jesus dude. I, I just lose I it because I'm like, he did it. He did it. <laughs> he did it. Like the way he just sobs. And like, God, it just sounded freaking real and and well i guess there's two other scenes then then of course the scene where all is t- he was promised you know if you're listening you haven't seen this or you don't have a pulse but 
he was promised uh, to be able to suit up for a game, and the new coach comes in, and they never get him on the roster. And Dan Devine, every yeah, friggin' Dan Devine, every one of the guys on the team, starting with the captain, walk in and they put their shirt on the coach's desk and say, "I want Rudy to start at my place." Listen to me, dude. I'm such a friggin' twat. I can't even like get through this segment without actually crying about it. It's so funny. Um, and no, then man. player after player just walks in and said, Coach, I want Rudy to start for me. And Devine just kind of sits back and goes, look at this shit. Yeah. Like when the when the first captain, he says to roll, him. Roll, yeah, Roland Still, roll, you're a captain. You're a cap, You're a leader of this team and a like captain. It. Act like and He says, I think I am, Coach. I believe I'm I like, am. Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah. H. Christ. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, when he finally gets in the game. And this is a freaking true story. He goes and gets a goddamn sack, and they carry him off the field. And he's like the only <laughs> player in Notre Dame history to get carried off the field. And you see, you see the the guy who was on the the grounds crew, kind of pumping yeah. his fist for him. Oh, that's legendary! Holy yeah. shit, man! It just I lose so, it. So, so if that so movie's that on, consent- there's no getting off of it. I gotta watch it all the way through. So to add my two cents on this. I secretly, as a Michigan diehard fan, I hate Notre Dame. I hate no. I don't like Notre Dame either, which is so funny. Yeah, about I, it. I, but I love the, I love this movie. I think oh. it's everything you mentioned. So I, but I refuse to put it in my top ten. But it, but I love it, and on I principle. Too. But the movie, <laughs> but but the part that gets me, and 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 old, you hit on great parts. When Roland Steele grabs him before they run out of the tunnel, goes, "You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life." And he runs out in the tunnel, and his family, his one Favreau, throws his coffee up. Where there he is, forty-five, <laughs> dude. Like, 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 you're a big football. I'm, we're all, like yeah. Michigan would run out that tunnel with my wing helmet, and I want all you guys there. Like, you, you just picture yourself in that position, and you're like, what number is he? Where is he? Like, leading, leading the guys out the tunnel. He's so like, little. The banner, yeah. and like he's so like. Like, you want to talk about, like, floodgates, man. Oh, like, dude, forget it. Like, so I'll give you a fun oh, fact. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. And for those of you who are listening, I don't know if you know this. If you watch the last game, the if you watch the game, I, I don't know what, you, what we call it, the final scene where it's the game against Georgia Tech. Yeah. The, the real Daniel Rudiger is sitting right behind Rudy's parents in the stands. I did not know he's, that. It's either a dark navy blue or it's a black overcoat that he's wearing, and it's the real Daniel Rudiger. That's his one wow. spot in the movie. So if you if you get a chance to see it and you're watching at the end, it's mainly at the end after he gets in and they're showing the dad and all this stuff. It's a dark. It's either dark navy blue or black overcoat. I think he's got like a like a little hat on, a little Irish kind of hat on. And that's that's pretty that's pretty that's, that's the, pretty cool. It's the real Daniel Rudiger. It doesn't look anything like Sean Aston, but it's the real Daniel Rudiger. So so I also have I also have an inside uh Rudy fact as well. So Tony Zappola. Yes, an Elmwood Park grad. Tony's Tony Zappola is an Elmwood Park grad. I played football on with that his team. son Joey for a long time. So and and one of the scenes where he's like checking the roster like by the locker room he's going you down see the, the list. Yeah. Zappa is the yep. last name on the list. So Tony, who I know and my brother, he coached my brother, played with his son Joey. So that's a pretty cool element. How about that, right? Really. How about like, that? Yeah. yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. What's your number two? So number two for me is an absolute. If 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 you're a baseball fan, 
and you grew up playing in the summertime, 8 a.m. with a bunch of buddies, Sandlot is, is my number two. So I was eight years old when this movie came out, and Great I know movie. probably anyone that was probably anyone that was born after two thousand or maybe even younger than that, you you pass baseball fields now in the summer, no one's there, no one's playing baseball anymore. I know. When I was a kid growing up, we had we had we had to turn away kids. We had to like pick sides and like that was Sandlot. Sandlot was us growing up. Yeah. You know, you don't want to talk about like you know, the, the star player in town. Everyone knows the star player in town. Everyone knows that kid moving in that's not comfortable, that wasn't very good. You bring him in. You know, James Earl Jones plays a great role oh. in that as well. Like, like, like the ex-baseball player that got blind and, like, he's running, like, his dog got loot. Like, yep. The movie just, to me, every 4th of July, I make it a point to try to watch that movie around that weekend at some point. The fireworks scene. They're playing – They. The one night, the one night game a year, the yep. fireworks keeps the lights on for us, and then he knocks the cover off the ball. Like that's that's baseball to me. That that's me is eight years old. That that's I, I, like I'm almost Scotty Smalls. But so before before I comment on this movie, I want to tell you that my number one movie is Sandlot. And, nice. And for me, nice. on a cry meter, it's only a four, which is interesting. Like I do, I love crying. I love crying at movies. I love being moved to emotion, dude. I think if you can move me to cry, then you did a great job. And what other reason do you watch movies than to be moved? Um, but so this, right. so what's so fascinating about this being my number one movie is that it's not so much a cry fest at, until the very end when, like, you know, Benny steals oh, home he, as a Dodger. He lifts and the, do- and he got and the, and he lifts the and, dog off the yeah, All that, oh. yeah. But, so it's not so much that. But, Everything else that you said is exactly why. It's like we talk about sports all the time and we are coming at it mainly from a professional and at the very lowest collegiate level. And it's so commercialized and even the draft now is a four-night mega event in some city somewhere where it used to be kind of done on a chalkboard in New York City somewhere. Sandlot is what every one of us, how every one of us and every every kid you'll see get drafted tomorrow night, every kid you watch play Major League Baseball, every player you watch on an NBA basketball court at some point in their life, and, and, and certainly for every one of us that's a sports fan who ever played sports, you started out in a Sandlot. Whether it was some dumpy shithole basketball yeah. court, or you know, some you know, dirt track for football, or you know, a sandlot for baseball, we all started playing on just somewhere, somewhat like probably that. in yeah. someone's backyard or some back hole in a wall that you know is is where it all meant something to us, where we learned our craft and where we learned to love that sport and i think that's why it's interesting we every movie we've mentioned to this point the acting has been pretty much exceptional and this is the one where the acting almost doesn't even matter they're just a bunch of kids and they're doesn't not matter. particularly great actors yeah. or anything like that it's the story it's what it means and where it how it touches you know, us because you know we all like, get it we all whatever level we ever reached and however far we went in sports we all started there we all started in the sandlot you know, so it's just something, there's something about that damn movie that's so goddamn special. 
you just you, you you just don't care about you don't care about the acting at all because you just you, no, you, it's, you think of a kid. It's the nostalgia. So, so, so to bring something closer to home, and I know like obviously we're gonna keep because it's your number one. So you coach in Elmwood Park in town, and 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 the St. Leo's Carnival to us was a big thing growing up. So, but St. Leo's Carnival to us was Labor Day weekend or the, or the weekend after. But it was always the first weekend of high school football and, and bomber pee wee football. Mm. So it was kind of like that, like to a scent, like with those baseball guys, like they connected, they're doing the chew on the on the yeah, on the yeah, yeah. on the ride yeah, and they're throwing up. So the St. Louis Carnival to us growing up in town was that. Like we're like we're at that Friday practice and it's like, all right, we can't wait to six to eight. All right, it's like seven. You hear the church at seven o'clock. All right, we have an hour left. We have an hour left. Like and then you're going to the you're going to the carnival in your football pads, and that was yeah, 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 that yeah. was like a that was a big and everyone that's listened to this story, Mikey and Eddie and Jeremy and guys that grew up playing football with me, like that was a big thing. Yeah, Tommy Balvin, my brother, like that was a big thing in town. Like, oh, you're going you're going to see this carnival, like with your football, you got the you got the bomber, you, you know, your shoulder pads are off, but you got the bomber shirt, your football pads on the bottom. Yep, like. <laughs> like you know, every, everyone who played football wanted to show that off. Of course, like, that was a thing. Of course. So, so that, so, so, Sandlot and baseball that way, doing that as a as a team was our bomber thing that weekend. Yeah, going to the St. Louis Carnival. That's why I say way. it doesn't matter so the sport; it's just representative of we all started there. We all yes, started. Yes. LeBron James started in a Sandlot. I mean, he's from Akron, Ohio. He he started playing basketball probably on like some friggin' plywood backboard. That's a basketball sandlot, yeah. you know, like with, with no net, with oh, no yeah, net, and yeah, yeah shovel, shoveling the shoveling the court off before. Absolutely, you... everyone, yeah. no yep. matter your level, yep. no matter your level of how far you made it, even if you the last you ever played was little league, like we, or if you're the great, if you're Michael Jordan, like it doesn't matter, you know. I mentioned Hoosiers before, and you can I can picture Jimmy Chitwit shooting baskets on a it's a dirt basketball court, you know, so. We all, every single one of us who have ever played sports, our first experience in that sport was in some kind of a sandlot. It was some kind of like very basic beginning where we kind of makeshifted a court, a field, whatever it was. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it just touches home because, you know, it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of an Olympic hockey player it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of a professional baseball player like the natural or field of dreams um it's hard to put yourself in a in a notre dame uniform to play football there's not a single person out there who doesn't right. know what it's like to play on a sandlot well in said. some way shape well or form we all get it and i think that's why it just touches home so much so great yeah. movie great great movie and uh, i can never I can never move off. If I click, if I'm going down the list and there's Sandlot, yep. it's just, it would almost be sacrilegious to, to, to go watch anything else at that point. And like I you said, you, it's one of those movies in the summer where like, there's nothing on. I'll just, I'll, I'll get it. You know, I'll get a streaming version of it and we'll just put it on. It's an awesome movie to just have on in the background. If you're cooking dinner or yeah. making burgers and dogs yeah. or whatever. So, all right. What's your number one? So my number one, I've said this, I think, a couple times during this show, and a movie that we watched pregame playing football for you is The Program. Oh, fascinating that you put it at number one. That's great. So, so that's so that's my so that's my movie. So 1993, I love that James Con, Omar yes. Epps, Holly Berry, 
Um, my brother introduced me to this movie pro- probably probably a little bit before my time that I should have, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, eight years old, my first year of Pee Wee football, and it just it just stuck with me, man. Yeah. I, this movie, this yeah. this. So every fall, like that that last week of August, you get like the temperature drops uh-huh. a little bit, you get that smell in the air, and you get that football feel. And this movie is all I think about, yep. and like it, it's it's. It's it's just football. It's I, I never played college football ever, but if I played college football at like some kind of level, I would think it was something like this: a steroid guy, a Heisman Trophy candidate with issues, a running back that's a hot shot coming out of a bad area, that's battling a running back, that's a, a good goody two shoes kind of guy that's just trying to graduate and go on to the next level at a different profession, and a, and a maniac defensive end that's worried out of his mind, yeah. like and a middle linebacker that can't spell, but he's so good, like. This movie is college football in a nutshell. Everything you think about college and, football is the program. Yeah, is, they, is this they got movie. it all into and, one and, movie. And and I know I know I know that's not an accident, obviously, but this movie to me, and Christy Swanson, who's a looks great in this movie too. Yep, like yep, 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 yep. Like this this movie and, and there's just everything about this. Like I'm getting like I want to just put my helmet on and go nuts right now. Like I just like this movie. I yeah, love so this movie. If you're looking for great acting, this is not the movie. But if no. you're looking to get excited, and I mean like you're looking to watch something before you go work out or you're looking to watch something before you like, I don't know, go play a men's league softball game. Like you're looking to watch something to get jacked up. Like we're going to have a go. We're going to go. I'm going to a bachelor party tonight. We need to watch something that's going to get me like <laughs> souped up. Go watch a program. Okay. To yeah, me. So, yeah. so I watched the program probably a little before you did and, and, in the program, the movie, the program was made around the time that Florida State football was really like in its prime. And if you look at the uniforms sure. of the team yeah, exactly. in the program, they're basically East, East Eastern State University. Yeah, it's basically Florida State University. And uh, for everything you just said sums it up, so I don't need to repeat it. But it's just one of those movies that just like it encapsulates everything good, bad, and ugly that there is about college football. And I do mean good, bad, and ugly. Like there's some yeah. ugly shit that you don't want to know, and I'm telling you, you don't want to know. You don't want to know because it's gonna take away from the pleasure that you have of watching college football. Because there's ugly, there's ugly, there's a very ugly business side that is that goes on within college football, and then there's the bad, uh, which is not as ugly as the ugly, but it's the bad. Like there's steroids and there's payoffs and there's backhanded and there's deals. Of women and there's and there's yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's there's bad. And then there's good. There's comeback stories. There's redemption. There's exceptional play. There's exceptional coaching. There's the purity of the sport. There's the, the, the X's and O's. There's the players. The, you know, there's guys rising to the occasion. There's all of it. And it, all of that stuff is in this movie. And it absolutely, it was one of my honorable mentions. I think I could, just those other movies just move me so much. Yeah. That, yeah. So the program was one of those that was originally in my top five, and then when I looked at these others, I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't do it. Listen, I get it's a I hard get one, man. Too. I get the emotion, but like, there's sometimes where like I just want to be fired. The fuck oh my god! Up. So this and is this, that and movie. This is like, and this is it. Like, yeah. this is that movie. Like, none of the movies we talked about will will just get you jacked and motivated and excited. I'm telling you like you like, you need to watch this movie and then go work out and you will you will absolutely max out. You will get a new per, you know personal record. Like there's just no doubt. There's just something about it. Right down to the last like minute of the movie. 
So like when Joe Kane, like Joe Kane, Friday night before the mission games at the railroad tracks, and he's trying to get an edge, and his girlfriend's yeah. there, he's pounding beers. Like, dude, does it get more serious yeah. than that? Like, yeah. let's go. And that's very real. It's very real. Yeah. Like I, pl- I did play college football. I played at the Division Two level, but I played college football, and I'm telling you. Trust me when I tell you the intensity level, the, the talent level is different, but the intensity level is no different. Um, Dude, no, because guys I, I are bet, fighting I for bet. their lives. They're fighting for starting positions. They're it. fighting for wins. Yeah. And the shit that guys will do, you know. And let's be honest. Sometimes you're, you're it's a physical sport. You, you have scary. to get red. You have, yeah. you, you have to get jacked yeah. up for the it. The shit I've Listen. seen, man. The shit I've seen is Absol- it's something else. Absolutely. It's something else. No doubt. It makes you question whether you would want your son to to, to be in a college uh, college football player trust me when i tell you trust me when i tell you so i love the pick it's one of my um honorable mentions so i'll give you my honorable mentions and I'm, i'll yeah, just please. i'll just lift them off list them off and i can mention a couple so fill the dreams as you mentioned was one of mine. caddyshack was one of mine the program was one one of mine dude how do we not have like rocky rocky is, is it would be a sports movie it's a boxing movie like come on the rocky at least rocky one and two but to me all the way through other than rocky five i think which was an utter disaster um, so so let me interrupt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there real quick. Too young. And my buddies and my buddies my buddies my buddies bust my balls and they're gonna love this. Not proud of it. Never seen it. What? <laughs> oh my god, dude! You just uh, yeah. I gotta find a new partner on the show. Oh my god, dude! Hey man, what's our Roddy's doing? Oh, by the way, the first Rocky is loosely based off a true story. Uh, so I have it on. I have it on the DVR. Oh I'm, ready, I'm ready to fire Man, it come up. Come on, but, don't yeah. stop. Stop. Yeah. Listen, yeah. Yeah. we will not do another show until you watch Rocky and we get to talk about it. So you better get your. That's ass a in lie, here. but I appreciate where you're going with it. Um. So Rocky, to me, the Rocky movie's got to be on the list. Um. This is one I don't know if you've even seen it. Maybe not a lot of people seen it, but I absolutely love this movie, and I have a hard time coming off of this if it's on. Will Smith kills this role in The Legend of Bagger Vance. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a golf movie. Oh, my God. I love that movie. It's friggin' Matt Damon. Yes. Yeah. Charlize yeah, Theron. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's some yeah. actually – Will Smith – Oh, I love that movie. I, that I don't was, know if I this is how that. it was meant, but Will Smith's character to me is God. And uh, I and just – And Matt Damon's like supposed to be – oh, dude. That, and Matt yeah, Damon is all of us. Matt Good Damon cool. is all of us, you know? <laughs> The music, the music comeback yes. story too. Like, uh, I know. Just the like, way Will it. Smith, just, Will Smith just kills that role. I mean, just ugh, I love that movie, and that he was does, one that does. I originally and, had in my top and five, is, and I and unfortunately what, like, I had to push it out. And that's what, like mid mid to late nineties, where before he got like really going. I Will Smith? I don't know. Acting wise, I don't know about the. I should I should have done my research like you oh, did. To he see was, what years were, but I, he just he. Oh God, my he God. kills it with the, kid, with the little kid, with the little kid and everything. I just there's something about that Artie, movie. Yeah, already, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last one that I just thought about when we mentioned it, when I said to you about Hoosiers, it's not necessarily a sports movie; it's a redemption movie. So then a movie that came to me in my mind because I say it all the time: this is not a wrestling movie. Like people think it's a wrestling movie; it's not a wrestling movie. It's Vision Quest. I don't know if you've ever seen Vision Quest. The music, Maldine, of course. Yes, I have, yeah. the music in it is top shelf. First of all, it rivals the Not music chick. from Footloose. That yes, uh, 
God, I'm drawing a blank on her name too, and I know very, very. I don't know. Well. Yeah, I don't know her name. I, um, I can't even help you with that one. But it's not a it's not a wrestling movie. It's a movie about chasing your dream. It's vision yes. quest. It's going after that thing that you want so bad and doing whatever it takes to get it. It doesn't matter what it is. It has nothing to do with wrestling. I just love that friggin' movie. So those are my um, those are my honorable mentions, and and some of so, those were in my top five. <laughs> But but then when I looked into yeah, more, get, I, I had yeah. to move them out. I, I just, you know, you you won't get arguments so, from me if they're in your top five. I'm just saying I had to move them out of my top five. I got that you. Makes I got you. It does. So I have a couple. I have um. So my 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 first one right out of the top five is ma- the major league one and two. The the back to the minors is a joke. Forget it. But major league one and two. Fun move. Euchre and you and you want to talk about cast too? Charlie Sheen. Omar Epps, Wesley Snipes, Baronson, like, yeah. like obviously like he's thinking. Act. I don't know what the hell, know he's what the hell he's thinking. <laughs> ball four, ball eight, ball twelve, and Vaughn seems as lost the strike zone. <laughs> like, 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 like those great movies stuff. just like, you, like, oh. like, like no tears, but just no, laugh. it's pure laughter humor. And, yeah, it's and, great and, stuff. And, and just comeback story are great. One line uh, after one no, line after another after another I, I, after and, you know, another. And, and me and me, me, you and Steven Stavali have done oh, this after twelve Budweisers at softball games. Forget about tremendously. it. Uh, number seven for me is Remember the Titans. Yes. Uh, see, this is what I'm saying. There's a couple movies like that that are just like, mm, how did I not make the list? But another another true story. Yes. So my seven and eight, and and you mentioned. So I'll give you eight right now. Eight's miracle. You mentioned. Love it. So seven. I left them out. I left them out, and and not not for any particular reason because I have, you know, a uh, a movie in there that's a true story in sixty one. But the, I left miracle. And remember, th- they're truer stories. They're true stories that just been told through. Through movies, yeah. I guess you could yeah, say, like, sure. and, they, and they were before my time. And I don't know. Remember, times was probably before your time too, or sure. like very, very yeah, early definitely. in your lifetime. But, yeah. But you like, but remember, the Titans to me is, um, is something special now in this day and age. Now, well, it could be where it, the world, it could be. Where, it's more valuable now of a movie than yeah than it, than it was you know in what? its own I, time. I, I saw something on Twitter last week where somebody put, "The world should rewatch this movie." Yeah. And it was when it was when the white defensive end and Campbell, the black defensive end, they were trying to figure it out. They're both studs from different high schools coming together, and they both had their sides of the team, and and they figured it out. Yep. And I think that's what this world needs at some point. Figure For sure. It the fuck out, guys. Let's go. Let's move on. Yep. Um. So those movies were great. So number nine for me, and I know you're gonna love this movie too, and you probably have it probably in your top fifteen is Bull Durham. It's not one of my favorites. Wow! Yeah, it just never grew on me, man. For some reason, it never grew on me. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just it never. It's definitely not something like I go to, or if it's on, I'll stay on it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do that. I like Boulder. Kevin Coser, by the way, in three baseball movies is just. You think he, he likes just baseball? Does it well, it just yeah, yeah it just does it well. Um, and number ten for me is a movie that another one like the program is one my brother got me onto as a little kid and I, every time like that last week august comes on i just think like man if i lived in texas this movie necessary roughness good one it just it's not a, again not great acting but just it's football. okay so i will it's, actually take the i think it's called the replacements over necessary roughness. yeah i like necessary roughness wow but i'll take the replacements over it. i'm kind of a keanu reeves fan anyway so maybe that's why i don't know 
Because the acting in that is not fantastic. But it does have Gene neither Hackman one. and Keanu Reeves. Neither, yeah, no, neither movie. No, yeah, yeah. No, they're not yeah. Academy Award winners. No, but that I think <laughs> that's, that's just, I think that's just a football I think that's just a football flavor thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Hey, nope. what was that movie when Appalachian State beat Michigan? Oh, they didn't make a movie of that one uh, yet. That was real life, bro. I'm sorry. Am I ending this on a sour note? <laughs> yeah, why would you do that to me right wouldn't now? Wouldn't that Jesus be a good movie, Christ. though? I mean. Wow. No, it, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> wow. I'm in a man, mood, you, huh? Man, you were. I mean, you were a salty bastard. Nightcast, the nighttime podcast is not, is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's better. Hey, let us know if you like us doing the podcast at night or during the day better. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I liked that night until that statement, you fucking prick. Wow, what a, Mary and what a dick. We're your family. What a Jets, like a typical Jets fan. Do I even have to ask what's on your radar? No, listen, I hope you Jeff Ryan Lee. Fuck you. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs> 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 I hope Zach Wilson breaks his leg up to the po- on his way up to the podium. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, guys, it's draft weekend. Uh, if you're only watching the first round, then you're missing out because you're half of your starting team, half of your starter, half of the starters on your, or I should say, half of the players on your team, on your favorite team, were either fourth through seventh rounders or weren't even drafted. So pay attention to the entire draft. It's worth it. It's worth it. Look into these guys. Listen, the greatest thing about living in this generation is that whoever your team drafts, you can then go to YouTube and watch a highlight reel. Watch a 5 or 10 or 15 minute highlight reel of every single player that's on that got drafted on your team. So do it so that you have an idea of what's coming. So if obviously, Scott, I think both of us are jacked uh, and looking forward to what happens in this draft. And, um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. We'll, we'll 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 be talking about what what these teams took, what our surprises were, and all that kind of stuff. I can't wait. Favorite day, one of my favorite days of the year, tomorrow and it's Friday. Rounds one to three are phenomenal. I'll watch every pick, everything. Um, uh, Yankees hopefully continue to play better, and I hope you not you you stop being a prick. Is what I just want. I well, I like wouldn't it. count on that, especially if we <laughs> keep doing this at night and. Uh, but we'll see. I am trying to be nicer. I'm going to go to church this weekend. So, <laughs> please. Episode what? Episode fourteen. What? Episode fourteen. Richard Todd. In the books, my friend. Yeah, Richard Todd. He was number fourteen for. Can we go? Can we go someone better than that? Like I don't know. Can we? Do you have someone? Yeah, like Vinny Testaverde, maybe. Vinny's better than Richard Todd. Yeah. I think so he played. He was forty something years old. That doesn't make him better. Just makes him longer. It makes him. Tooth. It makes him. It makes him better. I can't believe I'm sitting here defending Richard Todd. Yeah, go go to bed. It's got to be somebody else, right? Fourteen. Brian Greasy. <laughs> he might be better than Richard Todd. <laughs> what am I doing? Defending Richard Todd. I'm Pete Colasano for Scott Bracy. You've been listening to Bump and Run, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Later, boys.